This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce made especially for you. You can find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. It's also sponsored by South Florida Allied Health, located in Boca Raton, Florida, specializing in men's health, women's health, medical weight loss, IV therapy infusion, testosterone therapy, and hormone replacement therapy. Florida residents only. Well, here we are. Episode 101. We're over the hump. And on our way to 200. In a blaze of glory. This episode's going to be a little more mellower than last episode because Jack's not here. He's a little fired up last week, wouldn't you say? I don't think that's just me. But I love Jack. He was really happy to be back. And he'll be back again. No doubt. But in his place, once again, continuing their residency, the Wrecking Two. Mark Smith and Luke Calicchio from the Music Relish Podcast. And I'm changing things up this episode. I'm changing the theme song, the intro song. It's a copyright thing, and they might pull it down. The owner of the song might pull it down or whatever record company it's going to belong to or belongs to. But just listen to the song. It's a nice song. I don't care. It's worth it. Pull it down if you want, copyright guy. I don't care. KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. I'm going to let this play through. intro song tonight.
love this song. new intro song at least for tonight i like that song i like that song welcome to the podcast as usual thank you very thank you amanda for that wonderful introduction we're streaming live right now over facebook two pages on facebook youtube twitch twitter d live and every other live streaming place i can put my podcast out to we got a good episode today episode 101 yeah good evening patty Patty Yassi, she's been watching the podcast from almost the beginning, I think. Thank you for your, for your, your devotion, Patty. And she knows I love her. She's a king of Facebook show too, person too, but he's, he's in negotiations with the KFB studio. Anyways, that's another show. So tonight we're doing, um, I have Mark Smith and Lou Colicchio, The Wrecking Two from the Music Relish podcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about... Um, uh, top 10 crank it up tunes. Each of us has a list. But, uh, well, without further ado, let's bring on uh, Mark Smith and Luke Lickio from the Music Row, The Wrecking Two. What's up, gentlemen? Hey. Hello, hello, hello. Lou? Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sounded amazing. I, I, oh, I want to let people know that intro song, Lou Colicchio created that song so he did everything you played all the instruments on that song on that that song yeah. right yeah that is a great song i love i love that part it goes <laughs> See, i listen to those little things those little add-ins in the background i really pick up on that stuff and i love the intricacy of how you how you just put that in there in the the uh the sticks you know okay. I, I tried the first time i heard it i tried to keep beat with it but you got a good like off rhythm thing going with that. Right. I like that. I like Thank that. You. That's a very good song. So I I heard that song when wow. I was listening to Relish. They have kind of a sub uh, podcast now uh, that is called Music Relish Radio, and yeah. they discuss the songs that they made that they created. Perry Dedovich, uh, Lou, and Mark. And I heard that song, and I just said, "Wow." That fucking song is good. Thank you. I really fucking like that, Lou. And Lou, what's so? What's the story behind that? Um, it's I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a sad, melancholy song. My my dad got ill. He died of Alzheimer's disease. So, in going through that nightmare and just kind of dealing with it, you know, strumming some sad chords, and I just figured once I started doing it. And I just bought some new recording equipment. So it was, it was a lot of experimenting with some new gear, uh, old, old digital recording stuff, which I'd ventured into at that point. Um, and I said, well, this is kind of a, a tribute to my father. And, and anything, just remembering. It, it's, remember, it's just remembering the memories and, of you know, all the yeah. good stuff and you know, just keeping someone in your heart. And, and that, so, I, I thought that was, that, that was beautiful. And you, you told you. that story on the podcast, on your podcast. And Perry put a nice video together with yeah. it. And, he added his touches to it and, uh, as far as the video goes and what he felt in it. But it's a very, very good song. It's very well produced. Thank you. Uh, very, very well arranged. Um, I, I, 
Not, in, I mean, I'm not impressed because I expect that from you. <laughs> I expect. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, am I putting you on the spot if I ask for permission no. to kind of use that as uh, not the whole song, but the first course. thirty seconds? Of course, yeah, of course you can. Um, it's it's an honor, and y- yes, you may. Because I, I thought of it, and I was like, and I heard Amanda's voice going over. That. I go, I, this is a great intro song. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is fucking good. So I'm going to kind of just put it out there and hopefully Lou doesn't go, hey, uh, well, you know, you know, but I would love to use that as as that part of the intro. Of course you may. I'm just as one of my employers is an attorney. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) (laughs) You tell me to pull it down anytime, my friend. No, I'll go back to my old fucking garage band songs. (laughs) Which I'm sure you will. Yeah, it's um you you are you have my blessings. Thank you. Thank you, my friend, my friend, my friend. Thank you. I love that. I really do like that song. I really do. It was a labor of love. That one. It was something where once I got I got started on. I'm like, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of humble about my other instrumental abilities, but you know, I can, I can play some guitar here and there, you know, but there's a lot of keyboard orchestration. It was just, uh, you yes. know, once I started layering things, a lot know. of layers, a lot but of layers. Yeah. This time, the, the beginning here is a, is a drum machine, that beat going through. Is that so, the train mock? That's the train. No, that's the firehouse about a block away. Oh, I was like, you, you moved closer to the train track. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you do that? Carl River fire department. Okay. Um, so, Lou, yeah, the layering on that was... Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff on there. There's a lot of stuff going yeah. on there. Yeah. yeah. There two drum tracks, percussion, bass, yeah. three, three guitars, acoustic yep. guitar. See, that's... I learned all that stuff because I create my own music. I did a lot more some years back. I was really into it. So I learned about layering and how things right. work. So I list, I try to listen for that stuff. Like, what's behind the music that the, that's subliminal there? A lot of people don't hear... What makes a song actual, the the actual song, and it's a lot of it is what's going on in the background, the fills, oh, yeah. the absolutely, you know, the the ambience. Like I'm a real big, I, I added a little ambience to yours. I, I was wondering how, how you did the format, how you imported that. Ah, well, see, I well, got he skills. Bootlegged it, Lou. He bootlegged it. I got skills. I got <laughs> skills. Did, I know. I know. You got some editing skills. Yeah, <laughs> I got editing skills. I, I, I Batman can dance. I know what I'm doing. I just act stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'll let you know how I did it after the show. I'll tell you how I, how I got that song. When you did the intro, I was like, that sounds that sounds pretty clear. That sounds like. <laughs> Like, not bad. You know, the other thing about recording stuff is where you place things in the, in the stereo spectrum. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly if you have like a keyboard, you're not hearing somewhere. If you move it to one side or even slightly, it, it's that's what I learned. That that was an eye opener for me. Was just how these producers got everything on the on that canvas. You know, yeah. it's yeah. a lot of shit, <laughs> a lot of stuff you got putting on there. I guess I guess what I'm doing is I'm trying to audition to get in with you guys. If you're ever gonna make music, fit me in somehow, some way. <laughs> Oh yeah, man! Did you get did you get an email I sent you? <laughs> I didn't. I haven't checked my emails. Uh, it's it's from Perry. It's hysterical. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> well I, I don't know I if he watched the beginning of this, but have him go back and watch the beginning. If he doesn't, if he jumps, sometimes he jumps in live. But right, right. Perry, now he knows I do listen. Yeah. Yes. I do listen. I was making chili yesterday. Ah. Yeah. My wife went to work, you know, in the morning and took my car keys by accident. So it's not like I had anything to do anyway. Right? I might as well make chili, right? I, so I'm like, it's like, I don't know, fucking noon. I'm like, I'll just make some chili. I'll yeah. watch the bad, ex- the exorcism of God, horrible movie. 
um, one of those Saban films, you know, cheaply made, but it was, it's so bad. It's good. And I just decided to make, and I put on YouTube, I have different, I follow like a lot of, I call them the pop culture nerds, you know, on Facebook, I have a lot of subscriptions and music relish is one of my subscriptions. And I saw music relish radio. And I think that was episode two or yes. part two, wasn't it? Or episode yeah. two. Yeah, part two. Part. We, we had to be split in two parts. Yeah. So I, uh, I, that was the first one up. So I popped it on and just started making chili. I'm listening. It was very interesting listening to you guys, how you make the music. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's an odd conversation for people that don't. Yeah. That, yeah you know, that like music, but don't know how music is made. Yeah. And I, I was very, uh, you know, I was just, then I watched the first episode of the first part. And uh, yeah, it was very interesting, but that song stood out amongst all of them thank you that stood out I, I agree because like we we talk about diy recording we discuss like it's almost like a demo because pete townsend mm-hmm. did those scoop albums right. those were diy but that song from lou he he produced it like yep you know like usually you'll make a, a diy and you'll if you get in the studio then there's a producer usually lou that thing was produced you, you did it all thanks yeah well again he had um unfortunately the motivation yeah um but that's not motivation. That's inspiration. It's inspiration, Scott. Exactly. Yes. Like yes. I said, it, it, once I got <clears throat> past the emotion, it became a labor of love. So whatever. The Did negative, you break down at all while you were doing it? Honestly? I, no, I, I didn't. Um, there, there, had been a, there had been enough of that. Okay. <laughs> you know, leading up to that. But it was something once I, I was like, do I want to do this? Do I want to delve into it? But it became actually, it was cathartic. And what's the name of the song again? Remembrance. Remembrance. Yes. Yeah. I was telling my wife about it. Uh, Tonight we went to dinner oh, earlier, and uh, thank you. We were on our way home, and I said, "Oh, so Lou made the song," and I said, "But I didn't have it on my phone. Like I couldn't let her." Well, where'd Mark go? What the hell? Mm. Uh, he must. I'm here. I'm oh, okay, here. he's picking his nose. No, <laughs> picking I'm getting his nose. a pillow for my back. I got a bad back. Keep your nose. Yeah, I got. The, I had to do that with mine too. I got one of those little square pillows. <laughs> so, all right. So we have um, tonight, and Lou, thank you for permission. Oh yeah, it's now out in cyberspace. <laughs> Until Lou says, "I don't give you permission," or so I get a record deal or something. Does this mean I have to be fucking nice to him, Mark? Yeah, does it mean that he's, yeah. now he has something on me? Like no penalty can, box for me. <laughs> one show, you get one show. <laughs> penalty box free. How's that? That's the deal. That's like I get out of jail free card. Scott, I got two words for you, Morris Levy. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. What? Morris Levy, Roulette Records. Watch our episode on the mob and music. Oh, that's right. Well, Lou told us the story about his his father, <laughs> the gangster guy. Oh, got to testify. Anyways, so we uh, we decided that uh, this episode is going to be a lot lighter because last week was a little contentious with Jack. Thanks. And Jack, you think I know? Jack readily admits he was a little fired up. He hadn't been on in a while. And uh, he was a little, you know, he was, he was hyped to get back into the game. And, but that's uh, the show. That's that, what makes the show. I'm telling you. Well, what did I, you ask me? What do you like best about the show? I said the friction. I love dude, it. Well, that was heavy because I had people uh, message me, text <laughs> me, call me. My brother was like, what? He was listening to the show the next day and he halfway through, he texted, he goes, what the fuck? <laughs> what is wrong here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> first day back on the job <laughs> yeah another friend of mine is like he goes it got a little uncomfortable <laughs> i said no nah, i can me and jack can fight and we'll never we'll never not like talk i'm not talking to you 
I, I think when you say something like, you know what the fuck you're talking about, that's not contentious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. My buddy Todd Sockman, who's been there for day one, just popped in. He very rarely uh, watches the live, but he says, entertain me, so... He said that before, I think. He says it every week because he's driving home now, I think. I think he's driving home from work. He's all the way out in the left coast. So so we better keep the rhythm up here and talk fast and keep it going. Fuck him. Fuck him. (laughs) I could say that from fucking both. Fuck him. Was that your friend you were in the Philippines with? Yeah, me and my, we went through, uh, we started in, uh, Todd and I started in um, the law enforcement academy. Air Force, you know, the, the, that's where we met. And it was an unlikely friendship. This big, like I said before, um, this big uh, redhead Arnold Schwarzenegger looking fucking dude. And then me, like, you know, I think I lent them five bucks. He did five dollars to buy. Like, we would, they were selling these book bags and said, I, and he, I didn't know if, but it's just what I do. I'm that kind of guy. And like, he goes, Really? I go, Yeah, just pay me back later. And we became fucking lifelong friends, 1987, July. It was like July or August, 1987, yeah? Then we were stationed together in the Philippines because of Todd. I ended up in the Philippines with him. And then we ended up at the next base together. And then I think one more base after that. And so we had a a pretty good run together, which is very odd in in the military. You don't usually follow. Friends don't usually follow each other like that, so. Right. But it just happened to fall that way. And uh, we've been friends ever since. And I love him like a brother. And we've nice. been through some shit. And he was always good to have my back. Nice. It's always good to have my back. So friends need that in life. Yeah, he had my back a couple of times in the Philippines. I just needed <laughs> him to stand behind me. I could handle myself. He knew that. But it's just good to have that that yeah, little man. extra cool. cushion behind you. That's right. Red-headed Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking square jaw, the whole thing. Yeah, anyways, I blew him up enough. Fuck you, Todd Sockman. How's that? We're back to normal. <laughs> Anyways, back to the show. So we, we, we're doing our top 10 Crank It Up songs. Each one of us has a list. And um, it's the songs that, and there's so many, I know. A yeah. list of 10 is hard to really narrow down. But yeah. this is a no-lose list, right? Yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna go really. Well, you better come up with something fucked up if it's if if one of us is like really. <laughs> so that's the rule. It, it just feel free to just say really. Come on, Claire Delune is fucking awesome in the car. <laughs> Crank that bitch up, dude. That was my fucking wake up when my alarm goes off. It's Claire Delune because it's very what? it's very subtle. I hate that fucking. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's Claire Delune? It's a uh, it's it's an, it's a uh, 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 it's a classical song. Ah. Yeah, YouTube it. It's a good song. Okay. But it's not a plastic song. Lou not know that. What? Must not be in his notebook. (laughs) I got the mini notebook today. (laughs) The mini notebook. Okay. My notebook's bigger than yours. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to do it differently this week. Usually we rotate. But this time I'll start with Mark and just. Okay. We'll just talk about your top 10. Then we'll go to Lou. But I want to start off, and then we'll go to me, but I want to start with my friend Phil Kelly, my brother, the guy I've known for 53 years, 54 years maybe. Um, he gave me his list, and he gave me his buddy's list because he's a, he's a big listener too. Uh, so his buddy, Mikey D, uh, his number one is uh, Sweet Home, Alabama. Uh, number two is Allman Brothers, One Way Out. 
Number three, Almond Brothers Blue Sky. Number four, Cult of Personality, Living Color. Uh, number five, any Van Halen tune. Number six, any Black Crows tune. Uh, number seven, Thunderstruck, ACDC. His number eight is Hell in a Bucket, Grateful Dead. Is and number nine. Now I got it. Now this is where we. I say really. I I don't know if this is a crank it up tune. A touch of Gray, Grateful Dead. Uh, well, hey, listen. Really? Exactly. I would. I turn it up. Really? Do you know me. I'm just asking. I'm not a dead one guy. Big MTV so. hit. If you're a Grateful Dead hit head, then you know I will survive. Yeah. Okay. And his number ten is Tripping Billy's a DMB. So. Uh-huh. And then Phil, the fabulous flying Phil Kelly. Number one is Immigrant Song. His Good number one. two is Superstition, Stevie Wonder. Number three, uh, Black Sabbath, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Number four is U2's The Fly. Number five, Bob Marley Heathen. Number six, Tool, Stink Fist. Good one. Uh, anything with Tool, really. Yeah. The crank up song. Um, very underrated band, by the way. But uh, number seven, Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. Number eight, Kiss, Detroit Rock City. Number nine, Pink Floyd, Run Like Hell. Number 10, Purple Haze, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah. Right? Can't go wrong. I, maybe tomorrow I'll make a uh, Spotify playlist with all these songs. Yeah. But that means I have to get you two to send me your song. Oh, we're going to make your right. life miserable. These fuckers. Last night, I, they just Whoa. bombarded me on my, I put out my Spotify playlist, yeah. the 70s and 80s, and these two, fucking ruthless. Hey, get three. Is there this on there? The Is there that on there? Is there this on there? Is yeah. there that? So there I am trying to watch something with my wife and I'm fucking... <laughs> Bang. I'm no adding boss. songs to my Guys, playlist. Guys, I'm sitting with my wife. We would have left you alone. No, you Maybe you no. wanted to talk no, to you us. Wouldn't, no. Maybe you no. wanted to talk to us. The movie was boring. <laughs> you don't like those rom-coms. I'm telling you. Don't watch them. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, Mark. Gags. I, I did. I did. All right, Mark, give us uh, – and this isn't necessarily a 1 to 10. It's just 10 All songs. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, Scott, in honor of the 100 and – first episode i bought a 15 dollar bottle of wine look at you that looks, is that red is that red or white mark no Ooh. it's white i always buy chardonnay let me put it back in my little ditty bag mark there are many many different varieties he's, of wine you could explore he's I got a wine that. bag that's that. a cooler bag you know fancy, 15 bucks man that's how much you mean to me are you allowed to give a product placement name? I'm just curious. It's Lindemans out of Australia. Austra- so Australia. Yeah, well, I like Australia. There are other countries that produce. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Shut up. You do know a lot more than about wine than me. Okay. That's for sure. Okay, let me get my really big notebook up here, which is getting bigger by the day. Okay, I'm going to go with, well, Scott knows one of them, Spirit, Spirit of the Radio. Rush. Yep. Right. This is probably my favorite. Wait until the summer's gone from Zebra. And if you haven't heard it, YouTube it. It's one of those songs that you blast when you hear that. Mark is a big Zebra fan, oh, in yeah. case you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go from the cars. Let's go. Great one, man. That's on their uh, first album, right? No, Candy O. Candy O. Better album of the first. That's two. my favorite yeah, album. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. my favorite of theirs. Yep. Uh, what's the frequency, Kenneth, from R.E.M.? Ah. Killer song song called 6 a.m. by Dream Theater. And again, you look it up, it's one of those things that gets in your head. They sample an old movie uh, clip to Mike Portnoy coming in with his drums. 
Dancing Dream. in the Street, Van Halen. Hold on one second. Dream Theater. Who was the who was the drummer from Dream Theater? Mike. Well, Mike Portnoy was the original drummer. Yeah. He left, and Mike just, Mangini is the new drummer. He's from Boston. I was just reading something on somebody that used to play with Dream Theater. Did um, let me see. Who was their guitarist? Did any, did Billy Duffy John, from the Cult ever play no, with them? John Petrucci. He's a freak of nature. He's a, such a good guitarist. Where did I hear this? I read something about the uh, somebody that that used to play with Dream Theater and then oh, yeah, uh, Mike Portnoy. He's yeah. all over social media. He plays like, with like fifteen different bands. Okay, that's probably who I was reading about um, then. And yeah. they, you know what? Uh, they have roots in Boston because they got together at um, Berkeley School of Music. Yeah, yeah. But when they were starting out, they played a lot of shows with Zebra. That's how I got to know them. They were opening for them, but they are, they like I said, they're talent. They had one huge M- uh, MTV hit. Do you remember Pull Me Under? That was like the mm. biggest hit that one summer. So they got a greatest hits album that says Dream Theater's greatest hit and other songs. Because yeah. they only had one hit. That's know? good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> well, isn't, it wasn't, isn't he, people say if there's anyone to replace Neil Peart and Rush, it's him. Right. I believe he could. Or a top contender, you know, yeah. top three. But. Yeah, definitely be- more so than Dave Grohl, for sure. Yeah, Dave yeah. Grohl readily admits He's like, I'm just an average drummer. Yeah, well, he, that's being pretty homeboy. He there, puts but. himself, you know, but he doesn't yeah. kind of, he's like, uh, you know, he said that Nirvana, uh, uh, what was it, Smells Like Teen Spirit, he said the drum at the beginning he got from the Gap Band. Right. Hmm. Right? Yeah. That uh, uh, you dropped a bomb on me. He goes, listen. And so he had the um, the drummer from uh, from the Gap Band, the guy that played whatever the, made the beats mm-hmm. and he had him over for a barbecue one time. And he says, he goes, man, I gotta, I just gotta, I gotta tell you, man. He goes, I, I've been using your, 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 your beats for a long mm-hmm. time. And the guy goes, you don't think I fucking know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing. He goes, you don't think I fucking know that. <laughs> and that's so, what Dave Grohl went. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dave Grohl is worth, I think he's worth about $300 million. Imagine wow. that. Seriously? Yeah. yeah wow, but between Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Yeah, he's just fucking floating in money. And being but he's his, he's his, ambassador. He's, he's the ambassador for rock. He's as fucking laid back and down to earth as they get. Yeah. You Remember know? his D- that first DIY song he did, Mr. Big Header? Was there a, it was a pop song. I can't, yes. that, that time, it was it was a total low low budget recording, but that yeah. was a, that was called the Foo Fighters. But yeah, yeah, he was the Foo Fighters, right? That yeah. first yeah. album was yeah. all him, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. so where did we leave off? Dream Theater. What yeah. do you got next? Uh, Dancing in the Streets, Van Halen. I think I said that. I think that's the most creative cover. We talked uh, on a on music uh, relish about Van Halen covers. They've done a lot. And Eddie himself said they were like, they wanted to cover it and he was trying to come up with a way to play it. And eh, what they came out of was so left field. It's mm-hmm. it's not yeah. so much based on the drums. It's based on Eddie's little playing around with the guitar. Yeah. And they did a great job with that. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Just they, they did the covers. Great. They should, I wish they'd done an album of covers. David Lee. Van Ross Halen too, that. right? Van Halen too. Uh, no, Diver Down. Diver Down. Right. And that album had mostly, it was like half covers because they did. That's right. They did, um, the album with Mean Streets. Uh, what was the name of that? Um, Women and Children. Women and Children first. No, the one after that. Uh, it had the really good cover with a guy punching some guy. guy punching. Oh, fair warning. Fair Thank warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my favorite. 
That's my favorite record. Yeah, but it sold the least. So that's when management came in and said, all right, Eddie, (laughs) you took over one album. Now we're going to go back to what David wants to do, which was covers. Yeah. And I think um, uh, Bowie and Jagger did them one better on there. Oh. <laughs> Do you ever see the video where they take the music out? And it's, <laughs> yes, just, it's, it's just that ah. breathing. <laughs> Those weird high pitch. It's like soft shoe. The sound is like. Yes, yes. Their feet. The karate jumps. whatever. Fucking hilarious. Hilarious. Lou, if you were there, you would have done one of these. Right, yeah, two thumbs. That was some good editing. I gotta give him that was some good editing on that one. Yeah, all right. So, uh, what else you got? Okay, I got Start from the Jam, always been one of those songs. Boom, 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 tax man rip off. You know, Hmm. when I hear that, I turn it up. That's a great tune. Uh, gonna go rap now. When I hear the intro to Mama Said Knock You Out, that volume goes up. There you go. That's probably the, the song that made me realize that rap is like that. Like I think I told you on another show, as a metal fan at the time, that's the kind of rap that I liked. Driving. Mm-hmm. And he didn't curse. That's what's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Neither did Chuck D. So you must have fallen into the public enemy oh, thing. Because yeah. yeah. they, they got some heavy beats. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say public enemy more so. Yeah. They're the heavy metal of. When they the did bring the noise with Anthrax, that was a great fucking. That was yeah. a great mashup. Yep. It was a great mashup. That mm-hmm. could be one of those crank it up tunes. Yep. Um, next, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Always had Not my I favorite U two song. I it's, really stopped liking that song for some reason. It it's what got me into U two. Yeah, and and this is your list. I'm not I would argue yeah. with Jack, but I'm not arguing with him. Well what no. <laughs> <laughs> but um I recently like I didn't listen to it for years and then the other day it came on uh the radio, I listened to classic rock radio, which I never do, and it came on. And I said, Yeah, rediscovered that youthful feeling when you first heard a song. It's a good and, uh, point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I have some songs that did that, that do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one is another one you probably never heard, and you can look it up. It's Blackest Eyes by Porcupine Tree. Now, we had, you had talked about Porcupine Tree probably around the, f- some of the first episodes that you did, that you and Lou did, or maybe just you and I did. Yeah. Um, but I remember you talked about Porcupine Tree. Was that, did you talk about that album uh, on the Music Relish podcast? At yeah, all? I forced Lou and Perry, poor guys, to yeah. listen to it. Um, yeah. See, oh, I listen. Sorry. I, I fucking it. listen, Perry. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't think so. <laughs> I do, though. I just don't like comment sometimes. I don't get any replies. So I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> You're not live. <laughs> uh, yeah. We He's not real. That's live, how I Luke. came to the conclusion. He's not fucking real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. Porcupine tree. It fades in. So like, it's like a drone fading in. And then it just, when it kicks in, it kicks in with one of the heaviest riffs. But this is what I love about Steve Wilson. Then it goes into the verse and it's a very clean guitar. And the chorus is so beautiful, but when it goes back into the main riff, it's heavier than Black Sabbath. I mean, that's what I love about Porcupine Tree. They go back and forth. They straddle the genres and everything, but recommend listening to it. Spotify, you'll know what I mean. Did anybody from Porcupine Tree go on to play with anybody else? Well, yeah, they're all accomplished musicians. So one of them, the keyboardist, was in a band called Japan they were late 70s, early 80s. Did you ever hear them? I I, I do remember the band yeah. Japan, yes. So Steve Wilson was a big fan of the band, so he got um, that guy. And then the drummer, uh, Harrison, Gavin Harrison, 
he uh he went on after that he played for some pop he did some pop stuff he played behind some big singers but then when he joined porcupine tree made became this amazing drummer and he went on to join king crimson after that that's right robert fripp said you're in the band for Robert Fripp to put you into King Crimson. Right. You've got to be a top notch artist. Mm-hmm. I believe I remember that. See, again, I listened. I remember you were talking about that. That's why I was like, somebody went on to play with somebody. Yeah. And then Steve Wilson, he is Porcupine Tree because whatever incarnation of the band, it was him. In fact, the first two albums were just him. He did everything, uh, kind of like Lou, right? <laughs> and, um, but <laughs> then after. He's gotten into like the, the he um remixes. So Jethro Tull, King Crimson, among others, allowed him to remix their whole catalog. He's trusted by these older uh prog and rock guys. He also mixes stuff like he did remix Tears for Fears, uh, all their albums, and he did the new one in 5.1. He does surround sound and he did Chicago too. I mean, the guy, it's mm-hmm. what he his criteria is I'll remix your album, but I have to like it. So if he doesn't like it, he won't do it. You okay. Know? Yeah. And he's just, he's great. He's just, he's the kind of like we've heard this about a lot of musicians. He's the greatest musician you never heard of. Yeah. There is yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, good list, man. Good list. Again, this is a really, I, I, you can't go wrong because it's your list. I'm not in the car with you when you're cranking up dancing. <laughs> you in the don't streets. want to be in the car with me. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, bloody Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in the car with you. <laughs> oh great too this u2 song this one it's <laughs> a lot this one really <laughs> really <laughs> there you go come on mark give me a break <laughs> yeah all right lou let's start off with your 10th song oh we're going uh, not necessarily it's either one i mean I, unless you have a specific order of these you know i really didn't i just did some things yeah. that I, I like so i'll start my, my favorite um, yeah uh, oh. deep, it's my favorite driving song. It's Deep Purple Highway Star. Ah, soon we hear that first note, man. Yeah, it's because it, it, it gradually builds up, and that's, I love reading the comments whenever I look uh, look at that on YouTube. One guy's like, "I got pulled over for doing 90, 90 in, a, in, a, in a thirty, and I wasn't even in the car yet." You know, it's just <laughs> you're, you're, you're raising, and, the, and that's just it's just that is just to me the greatest driving song. Great band. I mean, I, I never had a Deep Purple record, but. Everything I've really, heard, you, know, I, you didn't I had have per- made in I, Japan. No, I had Perfect Strangers. I had to come back. Wow, everybody which, fucking had made in Japan, dude. Yeah, that was like the album. Weird, weird. And <laughs> That's the greatest live album ever recorded. I don't like anyone in my family. Like, you know, we like. I don't remember seeing a Deep Purple record in the house. Well, I have all these other siblings, you know, but I don't remember seeing Machine Head or anything. I don't. I don't wow. know. Yeah, they, my older brothers they weren't That's into much, much hard rock. Um, but I, I was, guess uh, not. No, no. But I mean, that was like fucking smoke on the water. It was like you bought the yeah, album yeah. just for that. Sure, sure. That's one of those rare songs where the uh, the live version is better than the studio version. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they recorded that uh, and they didn't remaster it. Yeah, they brought it back to the states and said, "This is what you're getting." Yep. You know, don't but- fuck with it. Don't touch it. This is what you. And it's fucking perfect. Yeah. I've I've heard it at you know friends' house of parties and stuff like yeah. that you know but but yeah just but I you know from song song by song though that was just something that okay yeah and just their attempt to write a driving car song you know it's a pretty simple idea and they friggin nailed it I mean yeah. the, the, that's one of my favorite guitar solos the guitar side I love it I love the it the line in it that the screws drumming. a lot of people up the one line what do you think the one line in that song is you've heard it hundreds of times it screws people up. 
old buddy's going to take my car. No. Nope. No. Gene Simmons is all right. What? Gene Simmons is all right. He doesn't say that. He does. It's like Jimi Hendrix. Excuse me while I kiss this guy. No, he says Gene Simmons is all right. And Gene Simmons isn't Gene Simmons from Kiss. Oh, okay. It's Gene Simmons, the actress. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I don't remember that one, but I remember there's. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on. Look at I I know, like, I might not know as much as you motherfuckers know. You know more than Okay. Okay. But, you know, I do know some shit. And when I do know my shit, don't fucking call me on it. (laughs) You said it before. You said. I may look stupid, but I'm smart. And I may act smart, but I'm stupid. So there you go, Scott. Well, like the like the saying goes, he's stupid and he knows he's stupid, which almost makes him smart. Yeah. <laughs> so Gene Simmons was in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a, she's an old actress. Yeah. yeah and he says, yeah. Gene Simmons is all right. Which commandment was tight. she? Uh, was she with Nefertiri? Did I ever tell you my theory on the Ten Commandments? Movie or the other event? Oh, the the real thing, like the real, oh, the, the real do, Ten Commandments. Do tell, do tell. I, I came up with this theory, and I know I'm right. I fucking <laughs> know I'm right. And this is how it goes. This is how it goes. So Moses is just a little smarter than everybody else, right? He's one of them thinking motherfuckers, right? Mm-hmm. He's in the. He's, he's looking around. He goes, motherfuckers are out of control. Like these fucking, they're, they're banging each other's wives. Wives and have an orgy, fucking killing each other, killing, killing babies. Like they're fucked. This place is out of control. Fighting over women, right? Fucking around. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Moses sees this shit. He goes, you know what? Fuck this, man. I'm going camping. I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. (laughs) Go camping, right? I'm gonna fucking go camping, right? So he packs his shit, starts climbing up the fucking mountain just to get away from the insanity that's fucking going on down there. As he's walking. He fucking stops, right? Decides he's going to cook some hot dogs, right? And fucking this thing gets out of control. Now there's a fucking little brush fire going on, right? (laughs) So it's like he puts the shit out, right? He puts the shit out, and then he starts climbing up the mountain again. He says, "Uh, I got an idea. Motherfuckers don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm smarter than them. I I know how to get them fuckers under control. So he picks up some rocks and he starts writing the shit he wants to fucking get done, right? <laughs> starts writing all this shit down. Clink, 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 clink. Him and his little fucking hammer and his little fucking, his little chisel. Which he's always clink, been camping. Clink. Yeah, clink, 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 clink. Because you never know when you need a hammer and chisel when you go camping back True. in fucking those days, right? <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that was their graffiti. Maybe that's how they fucking graffiti shit. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hammer and chisel. Moses was there. I'm going to put some dents right? in a rock. Yeah. Yeah. Rage against the cafe. Ting, 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 ting. Right? So Moses puts this shit together, right? Puts this shit together. He had a bunch of them, but he got a little drunk on the way back, and he drops one of those motherfuckers, right? So now he's got 10 left. He brings it down. Everyone's like, what you got there, Moses? He says, uh, I talked to God. <laughs> They're like, what? He goes, yeah, I talked to God. And uh, this is, he told me to give you guys a message. You should get to get your shit together. And th- these are his rules. Look at, there was a burning bush up there. Go fucking up there. You'll see the bush was on fire. You'll see it. Right? That was him. Yeah. Fucking talking to me. Right? So Moses came back. He put that shit, he got them motherfuckers in order. He gave them some rules. 
gave him some law, then he retired. There you go. That's it. That's how the Ten Commandments came up. And then he went on to make Planet of the Apes. He and, was just uh, smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he had a good acting career. So you're telling me that Party in the Red Seas was bullshit? Ah, no, there was the sea wasn't red, first of all. Right? right? Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that was a fucking low tide. It was low tide. It was but low I tide, want- and they could pass through. And he said, ah. But as time went on, they made it like the fucking waves. Now the tide went down. It's like it's like walking out to a sandbar. Listen, right, right. right. When the tide goes down, you get out to the sandbar right, for miles. Yeah, yeah. And then fucking, you got to get there, and you got to get off that motherfucker before the tide comes back, and you're stuck on the sandbar. So they, Mo- Moses had some he had some piety to him though, because if he thought everyone was that misbehaving, yeah. He- he thought he had some kind of moral superiority. So nah, he, he was just smarter there. He just looked around and goes, nah, this shit's he, he, fucked up. He was tired of the commotion. Enough, we had enough. He's probably one of them crazy motherfuckers. He's like, I did my time. Shit ain't right. I'm having a little second second coming here. Like, I got to calm these people down. Because yep. if I can do it, they can do it. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Right? I think the thou shalt not kill is the just, one commandment you should really follow. You know? That's yeah. the one, you know? the, there's some plausibility to your your thing here. That Moses yeah. was just a little smarter than everybody yeah, else. Like, that's well, all. Because he did all that shit before they did. He's like, yeah, and then all these people like, like Moses is a he's a smart I'm motherfucker. Moses, fucking Moses. Do you hear about Moses? Motherfucker, talk to God. We're gonna follow. No way. The desert. Way. Yeah. Now in the God. movie, in the movie, didn't the the bush was speaking to him? Yeah, that, that was way? the fucking bush was on fire. He made that shit up. Yeah. I think, the, the huh? I think who he had some ayahuasca. Huh? I think he had some ayahuasca. Who was the voice the, of God? Who was the voice of God in the Ten Commandments? Who, who, was, who was the voice of the burning bush? I, you got to ask fucking Moses. Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, Shane. You see? You see? Let me tell you what. <laughs> These people, you see? They're all fucking out of control, you see? So you got to get them all fucking back to where they're supposed to be, you see? I'm That's the frog, he, see? I'm the frog. That's right, the frog. <laughs> this, this is Paris' favorite line. Where's your Moses now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the Sunday school is over. He had a cigar in, in the Ten Commandments movie, I think, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, you see? You see? <laughs> These motherfuckers are banging their each other's wives. They can't be doing that. You see? <laughs> thou shalt not, I don't know, what's a good word? Covet. Thou shalt not covet thou friends. Right? The neighbor's wife. Yeah, that's Stop. a good word. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it means. It just sounds good. Yeah. You see? Okay, back with you dirty rat. Your list up, Lou. Sorry, you fucked your list up. But that's my theory on Moses. I like it. One song into it, too. (laughs) One song into it. Um, You see? Yeah, see? Now I'm going to be doing that the whole time. Wait, do it as Michael McDonald. Oh. No. (laughs) Thank you. See? Thank you. That's too much to it. All right, what's your next song? Where's your Moses now? See? No, 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 no. Now, see, see, I it, covered it, it, my neighbor's wife, see? You'd be in the penalty box if you didn't let me right. use the song, see? It's, right. you see? It's paying off, you see? <laughs> <laughs> right. Next Blue song. Oyster, Blue Oyster Cults, This Ain't the Summer of Love. Yes. Not Godzilla? No, no. Not Godzilla? No, no. <laughs> Although, when I was driving home today... <laughs> 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 the song kicks in. <laughs> the live version. What's that? It's it's Godzilla. It's Godzilla. So I, stupid. On my way home, I'm about 100 yards from my house, and I'm at the radio, and I hear Blue Oyster Colts, uh, Celestial the Queen, 
from Spectres. And I'm trying to take a picture to show you guys. So I almost rent the car off the road. So I took the picture and it's like, you know, and because it, I got it wrong. I just missed it by one second. Uh, uh, I was in moment of blurs to cult synchronicity. Yeah, this ain't the summer love. That's almost like a punk song. It's from the Agents of Fortune record that has Don't Fear the Reaper on it. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. I think it was written by their old drummer, but it's it's it's, it's almost punky. It's a great guitar solo in it, but it's just got a great beat in the lyrics are great too. Right. This ain't the Garden of Eden. There ain't no heaven above. No, there ain't no angels above. Things ain't what they used to be, and this ain't the summer love. Almost you know. sounds like it was written around the Manson times, hmm. right? Summer That's what it was reminded me of. Really, right. probably could have wrote that in the summer of twenty twenty. But anyways, yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I was seventy six, but I think that was you know, yeah, post, post hippie bliss, yeah, yeah. leftover. Uh, number three, Bruce Springsteen's Badlands. Yeah, mm. all right, somebody else. Yeah. So I, I got this list. I came up with this idea because I, 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 I had posted it the other day. On Facebook, got some good songs, got some, you know, some good songs. And uh, one of them, uh, I think a couple of people put Badlands there. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Got that drum intro, but yeah, it's kind of, it's a good, it's a good drive. Yeah. Grabbing me. Now th- that is Ringo playing a, um, a ch- uh, that beat is called a cha-cha-cha. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. So it's almost like, you know, in, in League with a Bossa Nova or, or there's right. like standard Latin beats, but um, but I think Max was never really happy with his drumming. Yeah, he goes, it worked, you know, but not complicated. But I just like, I, I like the song. I like that yeah. intro, too. Uh, number three, Cream White Room. Ah. Just said, I said, that to me sounds like, that, that's what reminds me of, like, that could have been in like a, like an old biblical movie, like a chariot race movie. Those, those yeah. opening chords, it sounds like, you know, it's just dramatic and stuff, but I just, I, I love guitar that. guitar sounds like an opera singer almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very, it's dramatic as hell. It's just very, yeah. It's heavy, um, and that's just a great song. Um, this one, this is this, a lot of these songs are old too, and this was a hard list to do. Like I said, there's a million songs you could to pick, but to distill it down to ten or so. But yeah, um, Doors Light My Fire. That's one of those classic rock songs. I just ne- I've not gotten tired of hearing it. Me too. So when that comes on, boom! It's just you know, and not the single version, the full version. It's a great jam. E- well, of course, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the better you know the AM radio version where they cut was they cut the guitar solo out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I still love Jose Feliciano's version of that. I do too. I love I that too. version, man. Light my fire, light my fire. Yeah, he does such a great job on that. Yeah. Was he playing that in Fargo when he was in that restaurant scene? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember. remember. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Now, probably because they'd have to pay for the rights. So. <laughs> but Scott's going to have to pay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. All right. <laughs> No, it's crazy. Yes, that's it. It's an honor. Um, <laughs> Say it one more time. It's an honor. <laughs> it's an honor. It's an honor, Your Honor. Okay, oh my. I, my next one is a "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Ah, I think that is, I think that is the best of uh, whole Motown stuff. I think that's the best song ever. Great song. Yeah, the arrangement, the you know, the whole the whole musical architecture behind it, written by Ashford and Simpson, which I never knew until recently. Wow. So that that's a song yeah. that you will put put up to ten. Uh, in, in me, I put it up there in my in my ten, yeah. And you, no, I'm saying like in your car, you fucking. Oh yeah, I, I do, I do. Because listen to the okay. weird percu- the weird percussion that there's this thing. It sounds like a woodpecker on, on a. Just yeah. the whole, yes. The, yeah. the way they yeah. build it up, I'm, that's the first thing that catches me. I'm like, it's gotcha. odd. It, it's it's a weird time. I said that's pretty pretty freaking clever. Um, but when they Ashford come back and into, Simpson wrote that, huh? They did, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. But wow. when the song comes back in the middle part, when it comes back on this this that build up, I'm like. I don't. I, was was that Phil Spector produced that? I don't know, but I just think it's, it's genius. Yeah, and the and the vocal interplay between the, those two. I mean, he Marvin did a lot of duets and stuff. I thought the stuff he did with Tammy Terrell. Uh, she died at like the age of twenty three from a brain tumor. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
what could have been what could have been but yeah what she was there though but that's the i just i think it's just amazing i don't yeah. i don't think phil Spector produced any motown lou right no no i guess not oh, yeah. i was probably yeah. i don't think he did no very gordy he, he produced <laughs> river, d mountain, river d mountain high failure but yeah 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 i don't hope it was a barry gordy produced holland dozer Hol- i don't know good good trivia question though keep talking um, i'll find out yep my next one is too is a uh, uh war by edwin Starr. Yeah, wow as hear, okay as soon as i hear that it's going it's going up, it's going up. <laughs> um my one of my employers she's a big edwin star fan she just got his his best of i said well there's three songs that you're, he's known for uh war 25 miles you know that one come on feet nope yeah. 25 miles from home girl yeah. great great driving song and um secret agent soul man or something but war was his big hit yeah, secret agent soul man. Yeah, not to be confused yeah. with Johnny Rivers, secret agent man. Exactly. Yeah, that's, another, that's people, another one you could crank up. I had a friend of mine who thought they were saying secret Asian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, especially in that time when it came out. Yeah, it was Vietnam time. Yeah. Um, uh, this one is a Beatles song. I feel fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm an old Beatles fan, but I just think that that intro and it, it's weird because when I it's a kind of a different song for them. That was their first number one in England. But I that guitar, s- that guitar riff, that is a good. I mean, it's got the feedback in the beginning, which is unique for its time. That riff, down, down, that's it's such a great riff. I think that's Lennon playing that and singing. I think, but um, Ringo's drumming on it when he comes back in the break. It's just, I just think it's great. It's just got a, such a great feel. But I mean, it's, I think it's a good driving song too. It's got a good swing and driving beat, mm-hmm. and pretty interesting drumming. Now Ringo did really well on that. You know, doing almost little bossa nova stuff on the verses. Yeah. I um I saw uh, uh I think it was a Facebook reel the other day and it's Jack White from the White Stripes being interviewed and the interviewer says so I hear that you could name every Beatles song in one second he goes yes they go okay can we test he goes sure and they played fucking like ten songs yeah like just the first literally the first one second <laughs> so it's almost the first note. Right, and he fucking and he got he got them all, and they weren't playing like Strawberry Fields and Helter Skelter. No, 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 right. You know, right. actually, I thought a tough one was back in the USSR because that's the fucking airplane at the beginning, and he fucking I, I caught it. I didn't get that one. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, did I? I sent you that. Did I send that to you? Yeah, yeah. and you know what? For you me, the older stuff is four before he did. Oh, <laughs> there you the, go. The older <laughs> stuff is harder because some of the first notes, like ding. Like, yeah, what the hell was that? Yeah. He got it, you know. Right. That's just that's that's amazing. That is a fan. Yeah, yeah. and it, you know, good ear. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But back in the SSR, I was like, what? What is that? I I didn't get didn't. Get it. I, he had we had one misfire. I think he called one song and then quickly the, changed his mind. He changed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, he had a lyric from the song, but it was the it wasn't mm. the name of the song. Mm. I think that's what he did. Yeah. Or or maybe he got another song and he said, no, 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 it's this song. That's right. But that was fucking amazing. But anyways, go on, Luke. Yeah. All right. Um, the next to last one is a Sing 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 by Benny Goodman. As soon as I hear that floor tom tom kick off, boom, boom, boom. Lou. It's almost, it's almost like Lust for Life. Lou, my mom loved that song. We oh, had the great. 78 of it. The 78. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the song? Sing Sing Sing. Ba, ba, ba. It's a famous That's jazz a heavy song. I'm sure I've heard it. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 it. yeah, Scott, you've definitely yeah, heard it. It's uh, a yeah. Gene Krupa's a drummer on it, but it starts off with these big floor tom tom rolls. And last, so the last time I played at the guitar bar, um, the uh, the blues guy goes, 
can you do some Gene Krupa on that big drum over there? <laughs> so you just start doing the rolls and, you know, there's a great, yeah, there's a great video of Max Weinberg and his son, Jay Weinberg at a, it's like a Manam show or something. They're doing a duet on it and they're both mm-hmm. playing and in the middle of it, Max Flint, he loses a stick. <laughs> but his, his son didn't, but yeah, it's, it's, that stick was out of there, but the son kept the beat going, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, big band cloud. It's been used on a lot of things and, but uh, it's a very it's a it's a driving song. I mean, that song's got a driving beat to it, right? It, yeah, and you know what, Lou? On TCM back in the day, Turner Classic Movies used to play a lot of these. There were big yeah. band videos. Some of those old big band songs were heavy. I mean, oh, yeah, these one of them play, man. I was watching one yeah, of them. They could. Yeah, they yeah. in the middle there was a drum solo, and all the spotlights go on the guy. It's just like watching almost a Rush concert, you right. know? And I'm like, holy cow! Like this was so yeah, this some heavy, heavy stuff, yeah. And yeah. the way they recorded those orchestras, sometimes just a couple of room mics, you know, yeah. just capturing all that stuff. But well, I mean June Kruba being, you know, what he was, he's up there with Buddy Rich and Yes. Um Art Blakey as far as great jazz drummers. Neil Peart did Neil a Peart. tribute album to uh Gene Krupa, I believe, right? I it was it but I think it was Buddy Rich. Oh, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm not, okay. I might okay. be wrong, but he did yeah. he did some kind of tributing. And even in his drum solos in later times. He incorporated some big band type stuff yes. in, in that yeah. epic see, solo. See what just happened with you two. So Mark said, I think it was this guy. And you said, oh, I think it's this guy. And Mark goes, I'm wrong. And Lucy, you said, oh, I knew it. I might have been wrong. See, that's a normal conversation, right? If I said that. <laughs> Mark, you don't know fucking anything. If I said, Fuck Jack you, would say, Lou. you are an idiot. <laughs> that's what it is. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, yeah, well, what that's did me. you just say? What? That's, that's me and Tom Spallone. Uh, Jack would have been like, you are a, you are a moron. That's not what that's about. Well, he's <laughs> known civil. you since he was 10. Come yeah, on. Well. <laughs> we're, we're very civil here in Asheville, Scott. <laughs> we're a civil know? society down we're up here in We're a civil Asheville. cafe society here. Yes, there you are. go. <laughs> and your last one, Lou? Uh, my last one is an instrumental, and it is YYZ by Rush. Okay. Yes. You, do you know the song, Scott? I don't. It's an instrumental off moving pictures. Um, it starts off with a um, it, it play, it's just it's a great song. It starts off with this ding ding ding. It is the Morse code signification for Toronto International Airport, or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So then the, the Neil Peart starts off on like a bell, some kind of bell, and then it kicks into this. Dun, 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 dun. But the guitar solo is great. The drum fills are so rhythmic. It's it just, a perfect it, it, instrumental. Yeah, yeah, and the, it, it rocks as a great drive. Hey, Lou, too. do you want me to play it on my guitar? I could grab my yeah, guitar. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a perfect instrumental. Remembrance. he's good. He's good. He's <laughs> good. You're slick, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lou. As as expected, very eclectic list. Oh, thank you. Um, interesting. So I am going to start with, and this is. Okay, I'm going to start with probably my favorite Crank It Up tune, and then the rest could just be mixed and matched. But whenever I hear the fade-in to Led Zeppelin's Achilles' Last Stand, it just means fucking just crank that shit yes, up. Yes, yes. That fade-in is so fucking, I mean, yeah. off of presence. That song, to me, is fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. I love that fucking song. So I just, a friend of mine, Jimmy Hurley, just gave me a pair. Uh, I, I just had to pay for the shipping when I was up in Boston. He gave me a pair of Klipsch Heresy 2s, right? In fucking great condition. Of course, I mailed them and they got nicked up a little bit. But Is that the ones you posted the picture? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was drooling on those. Heresy oh, Tuesday. I mean, Clips is, I, I've, I've, I've moved on from my Bose 901s. I've had them. And which is where I really first heard Achilles Last Stand because a friend of mine, when we were kids, he was a weed dealer and he made enough fucking money to buy a pair of Bose 901s, right? So we would go up to his fucking room or his attic, wherever it was, and he had like the fucking, uh, the corners, you know, they were in the corners of the room and he had a, a, a sheet metal in the corners. So the reflection of the sound, right? The whole thing, because Bose are pretty intricate, right? Yeah, and I, I had I just got sick of using the equalizer, and I I liked them, and then I just kind of liked them. I always I'm a Bose guy, but I I always was trying to lean into clips. So my friend has them. He has more speakers than he fucking knows what to do with. So he's like, they're in his attic. He goes, you can have them. He goes, oh. I I know you're gonna use them. Cool. So he goes, you can have them. I said, all right. So I had them shipped, and the first time I hooked up my Marantz twenty two seventy fucking little tank of a fucking receiver and the first song i put on there was achilles last stand mm. clips clips have a much better high-end response they do they yeah. do yeah. yeah yeah he had a clips uh uh like a a, a woofer that kind of a base a sub base that went with it but i didn't i didn't know shit so that. if you run into anyone with clip speakers and they say they're selling them just say i know a guy i know, I know a, guy. a guy and you just message me and i'll see i'll what try to charged. get you a price as they say i'll get <laughs> you a price yeah right so Achilles Last Stand is the my ultimate crank it up song. Um, the next one is uh, I think uh, Simple Minds' best fucking song. It's Waterfront. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Don't know. No. Uh, the beginning of that song, and then they come in with the bell binding. It's a heavy song. Uh, that was their, like, that's where I discovered Simple Minds. Was that on their first album? I think it was, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, but Waterfront is a great, heavy fucking song. It's heavy for them. It's a, it's heavy, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Then my third one, I found this song when I was in the Philippines. When I was stationed in the Philippines, all these uh, bars, and I have said this in the past, uh, all these bars turned, like, they were, they were live rock bands for a while. Some of these have... And these Filipinos could cover fucking anything, dude. Hmm. They could cover any fucking rock and sound exactly like them, hmm. which is why uh, uh, the, the lead singer of Journey, he yep. just, they're hmm. very talented people. That's all I'm going to say. Musically, artfully, mm-hmm. very talented people. And this band, and I, I started hanging out with them. The name of the band was Huge Killer Bats. <laughs> Greatest name ever. <laughs> Greatest name ever. The huge killer bats. <laughs> they actually let me get on stage and start singing with them one time. I was trash, <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! And listen, it's the Philippines. It was fucking anything goes. You think Vegas has stories? Oh, Vegas is Disneyland compared to the Philippines. <laughs> was this the time when someone could have recorded it on their phone, or was it before? So this is way before. And I'm uh, glad there was. Oh, thing, trust right? me, I probably would have got kicked out of the Air Force if this technology was around <laughs> back then. Just There's no way I would have fucking made it. Because I would have been shit-faced going Facebook Live doing all the wrong things, and it would not have been good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I caught this song, um, and I think this band is very, very underrated. I think they got uh, uh, they got mislabeled. They got thrown in with the hair bands, and I've said this before. Tesla. Oh, yeah. Tesla's No Way Out. Yes. That is a dry, hard driving song, man. That is a hard driving song. No Tesla, way out. 
Tesla were like in that metal days, them and Be- and um, I can't remember the Jakey Lee's band. They had a dry guitar sound. It sounded like the seventies. That's what. Yeah, and they had the long, but they got mm. tagged in with this hair metal, you know, know. Uh, thing. Sure. But they were sophisticated. They had good lyrics. They had, uh, uh, you know, just heavy. So all these all these bars turned into video bars, right? And they had these giant fucking screens. Some of them they had these stack of speakers like you're at a concert. And they were just cranking. And I saw this thing come on. This was like 80, beginning of 88, maybe in 88. Okay. You know, and uh, I saw, I said, this is, this is a fucking jam right here. And that's what got me listening to Tesla. So Tesla's no way out is my third one. My fourth one is also happens to be my favorite Rolling Stones song. But I just think when you hear the beginning, the one, two, one, sway. By the yeah. Rolling Stones. Okay. You had just you had Jagger in the background just going, one, two, and then dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah. And it's just that's just a fucking crank up song for me immediately. And it's perfect order coming after bitch, right? Doesn't it? Isn't yeah. the second song? Yeah, it's, I think yeah. It's just it, that album piles on you every it song. It does. That's a good yeah. way to put it. It piles yeah. on you. That's Absolutely. another song to turn up too. Yeah, yeah, bitch. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, there's, there's so many Stone songs. Midnight Rambler. That was my favorite yeah. fucking. So I jumped from Midnight Rambler being my favorite Stone song to Give Me Shelter because I love that picking guitar at the beginning. Yep. Right. And, uh, and that gear Yeah. Yep. And then I moved over to, I think, Sway. And then I jumped around to kind of, but Sway always just kind of stayed at the top. I just thought it was such a great thing. You know, Mick Taylor just owned that whole fucking song. Keith Richards wasn't even in the recording studio when they did it. Um, he just said, I'll take over. And that motherfucker went to rock guitar Valhalla with that mm. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just, just like this. He just said, fuck it. Let's just get this done. Yeah. And just yeah. took it and owned still it. around, isn't he? Mick Taylor. Yeah. Uh, Talk about his low key. I think he's still alive. I think yeah, he's still, still alive. Hmm. I, I mean, they, you know, listen, I believe people, so. Yeah. There's people that die, and I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, three years ago. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so well, Mark is our, uh, he's our research analyst now. He's the, he's the part. See, Mark's trying to find, he's, he's like, he's going to dig his, his way into like being permanent. Yeah, well, and, well, you guys are already permanent. I, I don't care what Jack says. Yeah, he's still alive. He's still alive. Wait, <laughs> I might I do a couple solos. With, with, I don't care what Jack says. I don't. I don't. I, I might do a couple solos with Jack, but you guys have just whoa, whoa, absolutely. Whoa. Is someone picking on Jack? <laughs> The wrecking, two, the wrecking two kind of grows on you. No, Mark Smith is the fucking, he's Jack's number one fan. This motherfucker last week being subversive. He's, he's oh, I like what Jack said. I don't even think Jack said, I like what Jack, I'm like, you, you Lou, we're going to talk tomorrow. Talk the, and and then, and Scott, I think you said you and I were going to do a podcast together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we what? are. We, we are going to dominate. We should have a fucking, <laughs> we should have a competition. Oh, fuck it both. First one to 10,000 <laughs> downloads. All right. All right. So, ready? Okay. You got remembrance. Here we go. Okay. We got remembrances our intro. He <laughs> put himself in the penalty box. <laughs> Mark's in the naughty spot. So last week, Lou, when you fell off, right? When you, you went Which you time? went you went black the last time that you didn't come back. <laughs> I think I was doing uh um I was doing uh this day in rock and Mark just decides he's gonna be Jack tonight. Pick up that fucking guitar. He had some wine in him, he's picking away. And I'm trying to ignore that motherfucker, but I like <laughs> he's just poke. He's I know what he's doing. He's I do just, it on music relish too. I he's do an extension of Jack tonight, and that's okay though. That's okay. I love everybody. 
but I will get you back. <laughs> you always I will do. Get you you always do, Scott. You I will lay in wait, and my time will come. That's the way to do it. I'll be walking in to get my paper on a Sunday morning, and I'll wake up two uh, days later. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so this one might surprise some people, but it is probably, I think, their best song. Um, I think it's their hardest song. And it's an underrated song. It's off their first album from Loverboy, Take Me to the Top. That key, that that synthesizer at the beginning, right? Dun, 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 dun. And a guitar comes in. Dude, it's like just, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just that's a crank up song because it, it's just one of those heavy beat songs, heavy driving songs from Loverboy of all people. Well, they, they were a, a heavy band. It's just that dumb name. And the, the cover of that album with the, 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 but you know what? It's a yeah, fucking classic album. It's yeah. a classic album. Yeah, it's a classic a cover. Yeah. They did the right. The marketing people just knew exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you look at fucking Mike Reno, like, you know, 15, 20 years later, and he looks like fucking Jabba the Hutt with a headband. <laughs> Excuse me. I look like Jabba the Hutt. Don't leave me. No, you don't. No, no, no self deprecation right? tonight, buddy. You don't look like that. Didn't he, do, didn't he do one of those celebrity shows, like rehab or something? He did something. Wasn't one of those like house? They all live in the same house together, or like some kind of. Who's that? Um, uh, Mike Reno. Yeah, Mike Reno. Did, yeah, did yeah, yeah. Like that? yeah. Yeah, he did one of those celebrity fucking houses. So, so uh, Mark Smith's fan just popped in. His his, his number one fan, James Austin, says, "Hey, Marky, what's what's Fender? Uh, you guys look uh, good. The memories James, are great, we'll even though you're dating me." <laughs> No, dating as in dates, not dating. I don't know. I don't know. know. I'm reading this. this? I think I'm reading it right. I think 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 you've just been outed, buddy. James, I'm going to bring my Fender in tomorrow. I think we got a fucking Jenny Jones situation here. You guys guys look good. (laughs) He says you guys look good, uh, even though you're dating me. I don't know, buddy. Jenny Jones situation. He's laughing now. I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible for the outcome of this. (laughs) Don't take me to court. I'm just moving on from this. I'm gonna leave the comment for itself. It speaks for itself. <laughs> see that's see that's retribution right there. Right? It came fast. No, no, no. Listen, oh. you guys look good, even though you're dating me. We're all dating them. You guys look good. No, see? no, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, You yeah, can't yeah. you can't get out no, of this one, buddy. No, hey James, are. we're gonna let the okay. audience decide. <laughs> I can say even though you guys dating me but this is your <laughs> you I, are. i'm not saying anything else because i got to see james tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna see him like 7 30 in the morning james <laughs> hello oh, God. <laughs> no not him trust me <laughs> hey listen i only see the message i don't know it. Oh, hey, that does, hey not that there's anything wrong with that right <laughs> the black and white cookie the black yeah cookie. yeah yeah all, all right, right moving on moving on <laughs> uh this next one is a uh it was trouble. a top top 40 song um and it, I don't see how anybody can't crank this up. Uh, Billy Squire, Lonely is the Night. Oh, yeah. Right? You hear that guitar at the beginning. <laughs> that was Billy Squire at his height, at the height yeah. of his, the pinnacle of his career. Before video killed the radio. Yeah, well, before he did that fucking video, <laughs> the, that one was kind of, I'm just going to say it was kind of gay. It's, it's, it's more than that. You have a problem. <laughs> it's very homoerotic. You have a problem. Yeah, nipples, I mean, it's more than that. <laughs> What's that? You have a problem with nipples, Scott? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> you know what? On that album, I didn't even think of it. In the Dark is a great crank it up song. Yep. Yeah, in the Dark is another Keyboard one coming. too. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Um, the Stroke. Yeah. Stroke that's me. Yeah. That's not my favorite song of his though. I thought. No, like, it's it was a good song. It's, every, it was everybody a, wants you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a good run. He had a good yeah, little yeah. run. He's yeah. still around. I think he. I think he does a podcast too or something. And but he he's still to, around. He did something. Ringo Starr asked him to be on one of his All Star tours, and right. he he turned him down. He turned Ringo yeah. down. Wow! You don't, turn, you don't turn Ringo down. That takes no. balls. Yeah, yeah. Really. I mean, especially you know when someone whose career came to a crashing. Halt. I was going to say you can't ruin a career that's already been ruined. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I think that, the reason he turned really, him down it, it ruined it, that stopped the whole thing. I mean, dead in its tracks. Yeah. Nothing after that. I, I think the reason Shame. he turned him down is he had just put out one of his non-selling albums and he thought it was going to sell. And he said, "No, I can't tour with you. I'm going to tour behind my album." Uh, and his album sold like ten copies for a while. So yeah. That's like uh, the guy that played uh, James Bond, J- George Lazenby. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was good, I think I still I still say he was a good Bond. He yeah, was a good was. Bond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my next one is uh, I mean this is this goes without saying, uh, Motley Crue, Doctor Feelgood. That if that doesn't make you want to just crank it up, I don't know what fucking song does. You know, that's not a song you can listen to on five. No, right. no, it really isn't. That song you have to have it like eight or above. And you know, you know that was like to me, it was almost like a comeback album because that girls, girls, girls album was kind of like lame. Theater of Pain, I didn't like that album. I liked uh, Shout at the Devil. I liked the first album. They're just trashy, you know. Yeah. And that album was like kind of a return to that. You know that oh that was good production. Yeah, yeah. I heard the first. I haven't heard all the first album. I hear it's a very good good record. It is. It's it's yeah, punky. It's very it's punky. It's, that, yeah, yeah, kind of raw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, my eighth one is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Alice in Chains again. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a great fucking, that's a great a that, that, that starts. That's from start to finish. Mm-hmm. That's a song that's literally from start to finish. Lou, did you ever hear it? Yes. Yeah. That beginning with that quick yep. dun, 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 yep. the drum. Uh just I and again one of their best songs. What was the drummer's name? Because he's very good. I forget his name. Yeah. yeah. I, I never really paid much attention to drums. Sorry, Lou. That's okay. <laughs> they never seemed to last. You just listen to their songs. <laughs> I'm not gonna get emotionally involved just to see them get kicked out of the band. Right, right. For being a fucking asshole. Or they just leave for whatever, you know. Yeah. Or, or they or they, they, die. they die. I have a good drummer story after this. Well, okay, Sean Kenny was a drummer in Allison Chains. Let me just go ahead. Okay. Yeah. He was really really nice good. Irish guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a drummer story after this. Okay. So, so uh let me see. Uh my ninth one, and this is I, I picking a song from ACDC is like throwing a dot. <laughs> at a fucking map right you're gonna land somewhere and you're gonna be like oh okay yeah you play the game oh i'm going to zimbabwe okay you know <laughs> just throw a fucking dot at any acdc song and it's a crank up song right sink the pink i fucking huh. love that song yeah that and, 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 and that high pitched fucking uh that guitar at the beginning right mm-hmm. just love it off uh what was it fly on the wall fly on the wall yeah 
and and right along with it, and you go like if you watch the video, I don't know if you've ever watched the they're video. They're in a bar, if I remember right. They're right? in a they're bar, yeah. yeah. And uh, the the girl pulls up in the pink Cadillac. Her name, her license plate says Susie Q, and she comes out with the pool stick and playing pool. She goes into the dancing and all that. Um, so the continuation of that is another song that you can crank up. That I I might. It's like. One and one A, and it's uh, uh, shake the foundation, mm-hmm. right? So it was kind of eerie, though. I watched the videos today, and then it's like a continuation. I think there's one in the middle that they did. They did that ZZ Top type thing where it's a storyline yeah. for each yeah. video, for each song, and uh, they do shake the foundation, and the place starts fucking collapsing. That they're in the bar, and then they pan back, and then you see that like from the back of a guy's head looking forward through a door. And there they are on stage. They're still playing, right? Then you got the Brooklyn Bridge in the background, and you got the World Trade Centers in the background. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, that shit still kind of, you look at you, ah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, it's that. It's an iconic, you know, yeah. uh, symbol of those two buildings. Uh, that represented New York, right? That was yeah. New York, really, those yeah. those towers. And it was just kind of uh, like, oof. You know, you're kind of reminded of it. You know, but you know, what, you know, I, I didn't like. I'm turning this off. But it was right. just kind of, you know, the, they, that shit pops up every once in a while, right? In these my videos. School, and, my high school graduation. That's where my father took me out for dinner. Windows of the world. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well. Anyways, now that I brought the show down a little bit, <laughs> that was my job, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and my tenth song is uh. Let me see. Dave Phillips, King of the 45s, is tuned in. So I tuned in late. You mentioned Jumping Jack Flash and Smoke in the Water. No, uh, hmm. uh, Highway Star was yeah. the only song mentioned by Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned the only Rolling Stones song, right? Yeah. Which is Sway. Sway, so, yeah. But Mark, uh, Dave Phillips, you can't go wrong with either one of those. Because yep. this yeah. is your crank up song. This is your, right. what yeah. you like. So there's really no disputing unless you said like, uh, you know, Claire DeLune. Like Mark said, <laughs> really? <laughs> but Lou didn't know about that song. No, I didn't. Lou at the very time Lou, have you ever heard of really? Beethoven's Ninth? Have you ever heard of uh, uh, Beethoven's Fifth? Have you I ever can't heard believe you've never heard of Clay Deloon. I, 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 I probably heard. I probably heard just not by title. Maybe, maybe, maybe I haven't. You know, yeah, you remember those 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 commercials with the guy? If you like classical music, we have oh, this the, album. The Polynesian was, Dance Number Two by Bordadick. There you go. There you go. You know that was the original. Maybe next week I'll dig that out. The original yeah. intro to Milk Crates and Turntables. I I have it, and I did that. Kate tells best hits huh. of the seventies, and like I did all these sound bites and clips from it. So I'll That's try to right. break that out for next week, and you yeah, can yeah. hear it. it. It was pretty funny. I was I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to be different and try to figure it out and then you realize that like it's a podcast it's not really made for video but the intro the right. audio is interesting because it's geared toward baby boomers right so you hear these commercials that we grew up watching and we never paid any attention to them but evidently mm-hmm. you did oh yeah you know Even so some of, the, you know, some of the, the funnier ones i mean there's um remember the freedom rock yeah freedom rock yeah <laughs> Dude with the fucking hey, man. Yeah. sitting outside the van, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like uh, 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 was it Randy of the Redwoods that used to be on MTV with the glasses oh, God, and the tie dye, yeah, the yeah. headband. Randy of the Redwoods. He made his money. <laughs> he made a little career out. He had a little run at that. Randy yeah. of the Redwoods. You know, hey, 
If MTV you, launched a bunch of those people. They launched Pauly Shore, actually. You know? Yeah. Uh, the weasel. I used to love him, man. I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> Paulie show was funny as fuck. You know, but you know how he got big in business. His mom, his mother, yeah. comedy store. Yeah. Well, she, she, well, she kind of left him to his own device. She's like, if you're gonna do this, you're gonna do it on your own. Like she didn't yeah. give him any, but he had plenty of talent around him that he grew up with. These guys that gave him advice, and you know, so you couldn't ask for a better fucking family, so to speak. To yeah, give you advice yeah. on how to, what to do, right. how to do it, you know, how to, you know, just be different. There, there's a podcast uh, about the comedy store. It's two people that work there. And it's the thing. Comedians that worked it. Because when you were there, you worked it. You had yeah, to work. Yeah. And they have every week, they have people on telling stories. It's fascinating. And there was one comedian that, yeah, Paulie for a while was like running things. They yeah. said he was a dick. He was mom's son. He was like, they hated him, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah. that that that's legendary. That that whole stuff. Yeah. So uh, a friend, a few friends of mine, uh, when we were stationed in Southern California, um, we went into. We used to go down every once in a while to the Sunset Strip, right? And uh, we just went down there. We had uh, uh, one of the guys that I was stationed with had won two tickets to the MTV Movie Awards, right? <laughs> so he took me. So I, I drove down there from Riverside to LA. And we get in there, you know, we have our seats, and I get to see John Mellencamp and Michelle Di- uh, Diego Nicello and uh, Tony Braxton. You know, they all performed. It was it was in- in- interesting, right? So after the show, a uh, couple of other friends meet up. Wait, wait, them. wait. John Mellencamp did Wild Night with that Michelle and Diego Nicello. Yeah, yeah, Wild Night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, thanks. Um, so after the show, we we hook up and uh, with my buddies, they find us and we go down the Sunset Strip and and they they're getting trashed. I wasn't drinking at the time; I had quit drinking. And uh, so I'm babysitting these fucking animals. <laughs> and uh, with Eric Pelnis, Tony uh, Toby Phipps, and uh, uh, Rude Rick Rude, I think his name was right. Not like the actor, uh, the wrestler. I forget his first <laughs> name, but anyways. So Toby is wearing flip flops. Right. And we try to get into a club and they're like, no, you can't come in with flip flops. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, Toby? What are you wearing? He's like, I didn't know. And he's like, this Wisconsin dude, funny as hell. So we're getting around the comedy store. We just, we're, we're relentless. After we got done messing with the hook, is, you know, like, you know, <laughs> listen, it's what you do. Like, we didn't pick any up, but we just kind of talking to them. And, sure. and they were cool. They were, they were really cool. Just being um, friends with the working girls. That's yeah. Right. Listen, they, <laughs> They were cool. They liked us. We were joking around with them. And so, you know, you got to get the experience, live it, right? I did it in the combat zone, so I knew how to talk to hookers. (laughs) (laughs) So you got a Minnesota kid, a Wisconsin kid, and a fucking kid from Texas. And then you got me. Like, I grew up, I ran into the combat zone when I was 13, right? Wow. So I knew how to talk to hookers. Anyways, um, so we're ragging on Toby, like, what the fuck, dude? What the fuck? And he goes, I'm just leave me the fuck alone. And he kicks his foot. And we're in front of the comedy store. He kicks his foot up, like, in the fucking flip-flop. <laughs> goes up onto the roof of the comedy <laughs> store. Uh, so he's got one fucking flip-flop on. And the other one's on the roof. LA. Yeah, he's not getting that back, right? Well, in downtown LA, he fit in. So it did, with yeah. one flip-flop, he fit right in. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's my comedy story. We to this day, I I did a a, a Google Earth on the top 
of the comedy store. Then I, I fucking, I, I photoshopped the fucking flip flop. I put it on the roof, and I said to him, "It's still there." That's hysterical. <laughs> and he believed you. Oh no, no! His <laughs> simple reply: "Fuck you." <laughs> simple. I would have said the same thing. <laughs> but uh, okay, let me get on to my number ten. My number ten is. Um, Dun 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 subdivision. Subdivision. Oh, let me get my guitar out now. Yeah, subdivision. That's uh what's his name? Uh the 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 lead guitarist, Alex 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 Lifeson. Lifeson, yeah, that's it that's his best that's his best vocals ever. That's Getty. In the video it's him. In the video it's him going subdivision. Yeah. That's his best. That's his best. Best lyrical <laughs> fucking thing ever. Subdivision. <laughs> did, did you ever sing backups? Yeah, every Rush show he was always on mic, but okay. um, he's horrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's right. Uh, you can always say subdivision. I have a, <laughs> I have a video where um, they're doing La, La Villa Strangiata. You know that tune, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And um, you know, they're dun 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 dun, and he comes up to Mike and he starts saying something. And you see this big thing. It says, "We're not going to let you hear Alex's vocals because you will turn off this video." <laughs> and I don't know what he was saying, but he could get wacky. You know, he's or, funny. On stage. If he ever did, he go blah 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 blah. Scott, have you ever seen his uh, acceptance speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I think I did. I it's think two, I did. it's two minutes of Alex Lesson going blah 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 yeah. blah. For, I mean, for two minutes straight. Yeah, and this is this is Getty's face when he's doing it. Oh yeah, yeah, this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, apparently, well, and Neil he had an apology because he emailed him after that and goes like, you know, what were you doing? And when it came, but eventually he came around to the humor of it. But I thought it was that's great. the uh, David Lee Roth and Van Halen thing when Lar- yeah. Roth just wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> but I think everyone you know giving long some kind yeah. of long-winded speeches that was his way of saying, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of a punk thing to do in a way, but yeah. 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 Uh Perry uh Perry Dedovich, the AI. There he he, is. He says free. All right now. Yep. Can't can't go wrong with that intro Mm -hmm. and guitar soul crank it up. Somebody posted, and I thought this was a good one. This was a good one. I I could have put it on my list, but I I had to keep it down to ten. But um off of Rock and Roll Animal, Sweet Jane with the intro. Mm That the dual guitars, the live version. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I still say to this day, that's one of the greatest live songs I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And um, that intro, it's just, it's, it's magic. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And yeah. the fact that you hear, uh, you hear when Lou Reed walks on stage, because the audience, yeah. you hear a little eruption in the mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. Like he's just hanging back there, waiting, waiting, letting yeah. them do that thing. Wait. It sounds wait. like Southern rock. It sounds like almost yeah. Leonard Skinner for hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was a great, uh, a great one. But uh, yeah. all right, give me, give me, give me, Mark, give me two more, give me two more. Okay, I was going to say, can we do a runners up? So. Yeah. All right, two more. Pound cake from Van Halen. When you hear that, <laughs> and that's yeah. one of their best produced albums. That is a yeah. great full sounding album. And what, what, what album is that from? Uh, uh, fuck. For unlawful okay. carnal knowledge, yeah, right. which is a really good album. Yeah, I like to walk into a bakery and say, "Can I have half a pound of pound cake?" <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh. 
<laughs> oh, Lou. Jesus, Lou. Uh, um, Mark, give me one more, please. I'm going to go classic rock. Rock and roll fantasy. When you hear that come in, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Oh, let's turn Band it company, up. Yeah. yeah. And I love that whole album. Yeah. 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 All right, Lou, give me a couple more. Oh, Off God. the top of his head. That's just hard to do. I know. I, it's just, I, I, I'm overloaded. You don't have I mean, it written there's, down? There's a Limelight by Rush. I mean, oh, that's yeah. one. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's acceptable. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, actually, and um, Red Barchetta by Rush. I mean, I'm. Yeah. That's saying, yeah. I like the instrumentals a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, well, I think I'm cranking it up because I don't, I, I don't listen to music loud at home too much. I do. But um, it, to me, it's like car music. So I think yeah, that's what I'm in the car. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go with crank up the Gordon Lightfoot man. Put yeah. Gordon Lightfoot on eleven. I'm gonna go with my extra two. I'm gonna go with uh, let's see, Judas Priest. You got another thing coming. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, all time yeah. classic, right? Yep. And I love this song again. And of course, this is these are our lists, so you know. But when I hear the the beginning of uh, the Clash, Train in Vain. The drum, I just because I love that fucking song. I just absolutely yeah. love that song. Yeah. Um, so that, those would be my 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 throw in my two extra throw ins. So I decided to go a step further, and I have. Uh, and this isn't our genre, but it's something that I've I'm into, and I've been into for decades and decades, almost from the beginning. But I have my top ten rap songs. So anybody out there that likes hip hop or rap, hmm. uh, this is my top ten. Uh, hip hop rap songs to crank up. I'm first ready to one, be schooled. What's that? I'm ready to be schooled. Huh. I discover uh, the first, a lot. First one to be Eric B and Rakim, Microphone Fiend. That's a gem. Uh, second, Public Enemy, Cold Steel, and the Hour of Chaos. Yeah. Uh, the third, I think, is probably one of the greatest hip hop songs ever written. Uh, and this is an interesting. Uh, this has a little interesting story. Uh, the DOC was from nwa um no he wasn't with nwa he was uh, uh produced by um by what's his name uh from nwa how can i forget his name dr dre okay um the formula right now the doc he came out and he was he was like killing it he was right off the top he has a very unique style of rapping uh i believe he might have been jamaican um but he had a very unique style. He didn't rap like in Jamaican style, but his voice. And uh, he got in a car accident and fucked up his vocal cords. In a car accident? That's yeah. weird. Wow. And that was it. Like a neck injury. Yeah, but Dr. Dre stuck with him. He kept him, you know, kept him on. He was a producer. So he didn't like say, ah, oh, you're no good to me anymore. He stuck with him in the DOC. He had a good producing career. But the formula is, uh, it's actually got, uh, I think it has Easy e in it too, I think. Uh, so, uh, let me see. Number five, Snoop Dogg, Deep Cover from the movie Deep Cover with, uh, with uh, what's his name, uh, from, uh, uh, from the Matrix. Uh, Keanu? Black, black oh, guy. Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence yeah, Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne, who used to go by Larry Fishburne. That's right. That's who right. was in Pee Wee's Playhouse. He played Cowboy Bob in Pee-wee's right. Playhouse. He had the Jerry Curls and the he was Larry Fishburne. Yeah. <laughs> and Apocalypse yeah. Now. 
Then he decided, like, yeah, I'm just going to go with Lawrence and kind of get the fuck yeah, out Yeah, well, he had the golden balls in Boys in the Hood. Wasn't that, yeah, Larry? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. yeah, just holding the balls. Yeah. So Deep Cover was Snoop Dogg's first song, his first song in, in hip-hop. Is, so he was friends with Warren G. Warren G is Dr. Dre's stepbrother. They're basically brothers. So Warren G heard Snoop Dogg. They were friends. He brings, he goes, you got to listen to this tape. And Dre's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get 100 tapes a day. And now you got to listen. You got to listen. You got to listen. And uh, Dre, Dr. Dre heard this, this, uh, this kid from fucking Long Beach and, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg was born and he came out with deep cover because it's one eight seven on an undercover cop, right? That's it's a, it was the theme to that movie deep cover, but it became its own thing. The video is pretty cool too. So that's uh, my fifth hip hop song, rap song. Uh, six would be Kwame who always rocked the polka dots. Only you. Uh, seven is a classic. This is a hip hop classic. There is actually a category of classic hip hop, believe it or mm-hmm. not. And it's actually, you hear it like they, there was a station, you know, Sirius has jumped around a lot with hip hop stations. Now it's like yeah. Rock, yeah. rock the bells is now like, that's the big hip hop station on with LL cool J station. But before that there was something else. And um, uh, they would have classic hip hop. And this is an absolute classic hip hop. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, The Message. Yes. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes you wonder how I keep from going yep. under. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, that was the influence for Phil Collins on Mama. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Oh. He said that. Yeah, he was channeling oh, that. Okay. <laughs> wow. Good call. That's a creepy song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, also went on to that that Ice Cube went and sampled that on one of his songs yes, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, number eight, the greatest rapper. It's arguably because you can't really say because some people some people say Tupac, some people now say Jay Z, but I say the Notorious B.I.G. Hmm. was the best rapper because he literally put you in his stories, the way hmm. he told these stories in his wording, in the way he phrased things, and the fucking way he rhymed them and presented them, he literally put you in the story. Like, you can fucking see it. That's brilliance. That's absolute brilliance. And his one song is called uh, Warning, W-A-R-N-I-N-G. And that's, you know, that's a great fucking song. Let me see. You know what? Actually, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick because that the beginning of this is pretty fucking good. I dare you. Not dare you, but you should make a playlist of this on Spotify. Oh, I'm going to, yeah. Because you know what? If you did, it would just be a hell of a lot easier for me to listen to him too. <laughs> so looking for him. Now, seriously though, this is good stuff. Yeah. Let me see. The old pager. <laughs> Careful, you're over 15 seconds. The lawyers are listening. Yeah, they're going to hear that. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but that, see, 
the shit he says, like, wipe the cold out my eyes, right? Yeah, like, 5.45 in the morning. He fucking yeah, yeah. puts you in this, like, 5.48 in the morning. He doesn't even, like, round it off. He <laughs> says 5.48, right? About 5.50. His fucking lyrics were brilliant. Like, he yeah. put you yeah. in the story, and that's, like, there's writers that fucking struggle their whole life, authors, to do that. And he yeah. fucking did it naturally. He right. knew how to, and that's why I say he's the best. He could put you now. Jay Z is is a, is a level of he's a, a world of himself into himself. But Biggie was the fucking guy. He's the guy. Tupac was good. I never liked his style too much. I I, I liked him, but West Coast. I thought Tupac was a little too laid back. I liked a heavier, hard driving. You know, public yeah. enemy. Yeah, you know, just yeah. that's that's personally say yeah. West Coast tended to be. Everything West Coast, jazz, West Coast jazz. Yeah. Miles Davis said in his autobiography, he didn't like West Coast jazz. They were just too laid back. You know, yeah. New York right, had a right. driving, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, more, more of a street feel to it or just a little yeah. more rock. Everything, yeah, yeah. So, so everything. Yeah. Rock and roll in the 70s, New York bands, I think, were more dry. Or Boston or whatever. Oh, yeah, but East sure, Coast, sure. you know. Yeah. yeah. It's the sun. It's the tropical. It's Yeah. Yeah. Um. My ninth one would be Craig Mack, Flavor in Your Ear. That was a Def Jam. And uh, a production. And the tenth one is uh, Jay-Z, Public Service Announcement. Which, oh, I remember that. Yeah, let me see. Uh, I'm going to put that one on. Public Service. There we go. This is the Public Service Announcement. Sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans. This will probably get pulled off of Facebook. <laughs> You're risking the whole show for this. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is That's a crank song right there, man. ROC oh. how fresh yeah. out of the frying pan into the fire. the fire. I'd be the music biz number one supplier. That's right. That's Flyer the hottest bitch in the game wearing my name. Yeah, I got the hottest bitch in the game wearing my chain. Beyonce. <laughs> right? So that's my Ving, top ten hip hop songs. Ain't so lie. Is that Ving Rames he's referring to? Probably. Ain't lie. <laughs> yeah. He was Marcellus Wallace, right? I'm like Che Guevara with the yep. bling on. I'm complex. I never claimed to have wings on. Yeah. yeah good I, I'm not, I made, I think he said, and, and that's, I think it might be that song. I made the Yankees hats more famous than the Yankees. <laughs> that is balls that's balls well listen there's a lot of fucking people all over the world that didn't know shit about the new york yankees but they see this fucking yeah, music video sure. with him wearing a yankees hat and that became jay-z and then right? george steinbrenner sitting in his office he goes should we do something about this no george george whisker stands it george well they're making you money oh it's okay it's okay. oh it's yeah, yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's okay yeah. Yeah. but they're selling bootleg hats then stop it <laughs> <laughs> so too, i got yankees tickets one time through a beer vendor and they were kind of bogus anyway i made a stink woman came down and she goes um would you come gentlemen come with me and i thought we got thrown out we got the luxury box next to steinbrenner's wow she wow. was steinbrenner's personal assistant there was a big beer vendor that gave us the tickets to work Why'd you make so, a stink, Lou? Because they were they were kind of kind of. We drove into the Bronx, and I'm like, I, I told the guy I went with it, with another manager. I said, 
these tickets they're, they're stapled together. Something looks weird. I, I have a feeling something's going to happen. So when we get to the gate, the, <laughs> stapled like, together. Yeah, you know, these tickets are no good. I said, you know, but we got them from a you know, big as a big company. So if I asked, and I just kind of a little irritated, you know, I said we draw all the way from New Jersey, you know, and said, <clears throat> you know, the company I work for does a lot of business with Nash Distributing, and I thought this is, you know, this isn't right. This is highly irregular. And uh, so they're like, just a second, you know, Lou dropping names. I know. I did. Right? I did. Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the woman came down and she was just kind of a matronly business lady. But when we got this, she was, I'm Mr. Steinbrenner's personal assistant. I'm like, cool. I'm like, who's George? Anyway, so we got the luxury box next to Steinbrenner. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I don't remember. I don't remember the game. There was liquor in it in this, in this box. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was a great I, next day. I, by the way, Lou, I had a friend who worked in Sam Goody and uh, he used to get tickets Sam all the time they're stapled together all the time when they're given that's comp you know just yeah so I, you know. I thought yeah for some reason but i, I never gotten tickets like that there was you know pretty clear but for some reason i, I thought we were going to have a little trouble getting and we did but once they realized the tickets were legit though right. but you're talking to the guy that bought david lee roth tickets in the parking lot at the meadowlands mm, right. aquina mm-hmm. And I realized as the ticket ticket, they, they spelled arena Aquina. That's right. Yeah. They let us in anyway. <laughs> and we just walked the rotunda, you know, the whole time. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think the band, the cult, is there anybody that doesn't like them? I didn't really wasn't hmm. big on them. I actually walked out of a show of theirs. I drove all the way to really? Long Island. Wow. I, I drove all the way to Long Island from New Jersey, which is a hike to Nassau Coliseum to see them because Bonham, Jason Bonham's band was opening up and we were there to see Bonham. And I love that band. They came on and I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, hmm. I wow. felt that they were posing. The guitar player was like doing this with his Les Paul. Really Duffy. Yeah. Legs, yeah. Duffy. Yeah. And I left. We said, yeah, we got a long ride home. Let's go. And we left. And then I think a couple of years later, I started hearing them on the radio. I'm like, they're not that bad. And then, Scott, you were talking about them. And I kind of like did a deep dive on Spotify. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, they are good. Yeah, man. <laughs> they are good. Yeah. Good guitar sound. From hey, who was it we were talking about um, earlier? Dream Theater or Dream Academy? Dream, Dream Theater. Theater. Dream Theater. All right. Yeah. Was There was Dream a group it? called Dream Academy, right? Yes. Well, yeah. We reviewed the, an album we, of theirs on our show. Yep, produced right. by yeah. David Gilmore. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, was that Living in a Northern Town? Yeah. Life in a Northern Life Town. In, yeah. Life in a Northern Town, yeah. I always, I, and I had this argument with Jack at Christmas. I always think of that as a Christmas song for some reason. Really? Like it's, it's giving me that winter it, feeling. It's like, but, doom, 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 doom. Yeah. To me, that's a like summer Beach Boys to me. I always throw it into my, my okay. Christmas list right. for some reason. I, I, I went to Northern Town, I guess. That's what got me. Okay. I always thought they were a, a New England band, Life in the Northern Town. I'm thinking of Vermont, New Hampshire. And then, yeah, uh, that's kind of. Yeah, Perry tells me. I mean, Lou tells me. No. Yeah, they're from Liverpool, Northern Town, Northern yeah. England. Yeah, know? Northern England, yeah. yeah. Never heard their whole album? You see the video, Mark? Yeah. Then you would, yeah. you would know that's not. Man, I was dumb <laughs> when I was. I was just on TV. Mark, you're a friggin' idiot. You know that? Yeah, I am. Thank you, Lou. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm a schmitty. You are an idiot. <laughs> you, my friend, are like a an idiot. fucking idiot. <laughs> so, you, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the video for um, She Sells Sanctuary, right? Um, yes. So, that was probably. Uh, I believe that was, yeah. That was probably their first kind of breakout hit. Now, they broke out around the world. They didn't really break out in America for a while. They were around, right. but they never really 
kind of caught on. She, yeah. she sells Sanctuary was lumped in with a kind of a new sound, not a hard rock sound. Later on, they got lumped in with the hard rock bands. Yeah, well, right? they had a a very unique sound. They they started off as the Southern Death Cult, and That's then they right. just changed it to they kind of reformed and called it the Death Cult. And then they were punk. They were actually originally like a punk band, mm-hmm. right? And um, so then they just kind of went in another direction uh, with this kind of psychedelic, hard rock, punk kind of crossover sound that they created. They had a sound all to their own when everything else was going synthesizer. Mm-hmm. The cult was going right. straight fucking guitar rock, right? Yeah. And so Billy Duffy's more, a great like guitar rock. player. Yeah. What's that? More like hard rock. Yeah, yeah, and, but it has that psychedelic sound feel yes, to it, it too, yeah. right? Yep. Um, I've said this before. Actually, Billy Duffy, the guitarist in the cult, is the one who introduced Morrissey to, to Johnny Marr. Right. Yeah. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was in a band with Morrissey, Billy Duffy. It's not really working because his voice and the way they were just like, and then he said, listen, I got a perfect guy for you. I know exactly what's, he goes, here's the guy's number, call him. So he calls Morrissey calls Johnny Marr and says, hey, uh, Billy gave me a number and says you're a guitar player. I'm looking. And so fucking constant, come on over. So he went over. Johnny Marr goes over to Morrissey's house and the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and and the cult put one of their albums, the cover is just Billy Duffy. Like how many bands just put their guitar player on the cover of the album? I forget which album that was. The one with yeah. the Fire Woman, I think. Or, yeah. And how yeah, many? Like, very unique to see a guitar player on the cover of a band yeah. album. And how many people, when they first saw uh, the video for the cult, I think it might have been She Sells Sanctuary, a love removal machine, thought, hey, Billy Idol plays the guitar? Because <laughs> <laughs> he had the spiked blonde that's hair. straight up white yeah. hair, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so. What do you think of Billy Idol? I loved Billy Idol. Actually, I saw, it's funny you said that. I saw at the Worcester Centrum. I had seen the cult at the Orpheum Theater in Boston, right? Fucking great show, because I was always a fan from the beginning. And then I saw them back up Billy Idol at the Worcester Centrum. Oh, wow. Oh. So it was a great concert. Oh, yeah, 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 good double bill. Very good mm-hmm. double bill. Yeah. I like Billy Idol. I always like Billy Idol. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought, you know, like, he, he caught some flack, you know, like this snarling, they call it snarling Elvis or something, but... Uh, he was making millions. It, it, it was a good band. Fuck. Yeah, when um, I worked at Steve a, Stevens like, is a great fucking company. Great company guitar player, and he's yeah. three feet yeah. tall. Yeah, yeah, but his hair made him six feet tall. Oh, he's taller than me. I worked the <laughs> front door at the bottom line in New York City, and the two, some of the guys from Billy Idol's band came in to check out. Uh, who was it? Oh, they, the Soupy Sales. You remember Soupy Sales? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he did a show. He did a show in the bottom line. It, it was not funny, but his two sons were in a band with Bowie at the time, Tin Machine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So they I think were. they were hanging out, yeah. but I remember like the word was that Billy had some of the Billy Idol's band, Steve Stevens, and I don't know who the bass player was, but I was like, Jesus. Little dude, yeah. Little dude. Yeah. But um You know, you know how you know a guitar player is short? Just look at them holding the guitar. Like I tell people Richie Blackmore is a short little shit. And they say no. And I say a strat is not a big guitar. Look at him on stage. That thing is bigger than him. Yeah. That means he's short. Yeah. Angus Young, that SG is like huge on him, you know. Mm-hmm. Angus yeah. Young is three feet tall. You know? I just B- wish I, I just yeah. wish Richie Blackmore would just dropped that fucking wizard hat thing that he was wearing for a while. Sky, you know what's funny? I, with, with a highway star, I was looking at different videos of it, you know, the um yeah. a lot of live stuff. And I saw some of his outfits were pretty. Yeah. I think it was one where he was wearing the wizard hat, but it looked yeah. like he was trying to screw it up. 
I don't know. It looked like he was trying to just mess up the whole performance. Okay. All right. All right. It's I don't mean, pick on Jack and don't pick on Richie. All right. Uh, Two of you. All right. I think I I think he's great, but I just you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. With you. He definitely and, has and some, like, Perry the gallery out. outfits. Richie's had a wig since '77 or '78. Hmm. So ah, interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. And then when he was when he had Rainbow with Joe Lynn Turner, who had no body hair. Like there must have been people that said, "Don't let them mix up the wigs." You know that would be awkward. You know, <laughs> yeah. In the dressing room, that's my wig head. <laughs> now the um the Jolin Turner video that Perry sent me, <laughs> he 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 was one of the vocalists in Rainbow. He's from Hackensack, New Jersey. He went to school with uh, a drummer I played with, and he did this video. It's if you didn't know, if you'd seen the Rainbow videos and then seen this one you know, forty years later, it's it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's definitely sa- it it's satanic. Out. It's truly satanic. I mean, yeah. He is doing what he's wanted to yeah. do. Do you remember? The, do you remember the song? I can't remember the name, but I I actually kind of like it. <laughs> but <laughs> well, he's like totally no, no. He's pink from the wall. You know, he's, he's got, got that no body alopecia. Whatever you hit. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely. I was like, oh. Perry Perry sent him. I was like, this is weird. Speaking of, well, since Perry's here, Scott, there's been a rebranding. Oh really? It's not called the Music Relish Show. Oh, okay. It's not really. Uh, okay. Shit, well, I gotta change I, the Facebook page. We're, 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 that we, now. we we got in show business because there's um celebrity impersonations. You know, Michael McDonald is. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, the Music Relish Liber- Show. Liberace okay. rears his head once in a while, <laughs> and Jeez. we're gonna talk about movies and stuff. We're gonna throw other things there. All right, all right. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. His mark is just wonderful. All right, all right. Let me get out of my story. No so, face and turntables is just wonderful. The uh, <laughs> it's horrible. Sorry, I'm dying to put you in the penalty box, but I can't. I I, I shouldn't have said that at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Should have come want. up with something else. Okay. Um, put me in the penalty box. I got I gotta go to the bathroom. You can put me in the penalty box. If you gotta go. You gotta go. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh. So the drummer from the uh, from the cult. So they 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 they, they get they hit with she sell sanctuary and they got to do a video for it for so back in the day this is the 80s uh they were gonna they they had rented out uh the wimbledon theater right in england and it was like twenty five thousand pounds for the day so they and which was back then was a lot of money to put into a video and the video came out great the video was everybody you know they got their shots everything came out good but it kind of started off a little rough because um, the drummer for the cult, Nigel Preston, was a no-show. And they're like, what the fuck? What are we going to do? You know, we paid 25,000 pounds for this, and the fucking drummer's not here. So as it turned out, uh, Nigel had been arrested earlier in that, that morning <laughs> driving a car that, well, wasn't his. Uh, <laughs> right? Oh, and uh, he did didn't have a license and he was maybe or maybe not going to buy drugs. Right. <laughs> so he's booked, right. He's hooked and booked. So they find this out and they're like, fuck. So on just manager calls up Mark Rizeski, who is the drummer for big country. Big country. Yeah. Right. He just happened to be in town doing some sessions, session work. So he says, sure, I'll do the shoot. Yeah. All right. So he, he comes in. He saw it was all business, right? They were fucking, they got to get this shit done. They paid a lot of money for this. So he throws on a leather jacket and he just goes to work, right? He <clears throat> does his thing and he gets in a couple shots, right? And um, after that shoot, they fired Nigel Preston 
right? So they're like, wow. fuck, all right, he's got to go because you just, you're just an idiot. Another yeah. idiot drummer, right? Right. But the problem is he had, uh, 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 She Sell Sanctuary had already been recorded for the record. Now they get the whole rest of the record to fucking fill, right? <laughs> so what do they do? They bring back Mark Rizeski to finish the album. So the drummer that was in the song that did the song wasn't in the video and the drummer in the video never played the song, never had done that song, but he went on to do uh, the rest and finish the album. And you know, the funny thing about it is that that charted in the top, uh, top 100 in the Netherlands, England, Canada, Hmm. and like two, three other countries. It didn't make it into the hot 100. In, in America, yeah. but it was all over MTV. It was all over, but it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. This is like See, very fickle I, fucking music people. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm the MTV generation. Uh, that I remember, if I saw something on MTV, I thought it was a hit. They were influencing me. Like, oh wait, you know. wait, I, I don't know if you're the MTV generation. I think. Well, I was I was 17 when it first broke. When it's 16, uh, when it first broke. When did MTV start? <clears throat> when did MTV start? 1980, 81. Okay, I was. 11 or 12 years old. I grew up on MTV totally. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. Yeah. When we were watching it at parties. It was on fucking 24/7. Yeah. Oh yeah. So wherever great. party we were at, it was on TV. Wasn't that you know? great? Oh, it was fucking great. I yeah. grew up wearing tough skin pants. <laughs> oh jeez. So, there you go. That's the drummer story. Drummers the they drummer fuck story. everything up, don't they? They fuck everything <laughs> up. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, not nothing, Lou. I don't get nothing. it. Oh, by the I, way, I, I'm not getting it. I forgot. I forgot to mention that Lou tonight is podcasting from Rawway State Prison Visitors Room. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at his background, he's in the visitors room at Rawway. Hey, I'm Lou. Not your, I'm not your bitch, by the way. Hey, hey, Lou. Lou, you want a pack of smoke? So yeah, right. Come on. I have to I hide him. I just have my bologna there. sandwich and apple. I'm yeah, really happy. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's it's Shawshank. It's, it's terrible. I can, there's nothing I can do to make this lighting any better. The backdrop hell, I just I've given up. This has become like the drummer in fucking Spinal Tap. He's just trying to fucking figure it out. <laughs> Luke tries to figure out his backdrop. He has no. Listen, what happened to the original setup when you had the drum kit in the background? What happened to that? Yeah. It, well, actually, my, my drum kit's disassembled because I, I had a friend's house uh, playing yesterday. So it's here. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> looks like a, you look like you're in a hotel like a drunk room. Robot Scott, <laughs> really? that looks like the hotel room in the wall, <clears throat> like pink. You get you have a pool outside. You're gonna start. Uh, he is, he off is the just walls. a fucking. He's a razor blade away from shaving his eyebrows. You look just like him. You look just like him. I'm gonna put the back up in front of me next time. Yeah, there you go. All right, listen. Let's do top ten singles this week in 1979. Good night, Dave Phillips, yeah. King of the 45s. Night, Dave. Who said Middle of the Road by the Pretenders? That's a good one. There's a lot of Pretenders songs. Mystery Achievement, fucking Tattooed Love Boys. Those are great cranking up songs. Most likely anything off the first album. The Adulteress. So here we go. Top singles this week in 1979. Number 10 this week in 19. And you'll see this is an interesting list. What was dominant back then? 79 was a great year. Shake Your Body Down to the Ground by the Jacksons was number 10. Number nine was I Still Like This Song. I fucking love this song, actually. He's the Greatest Dancer by Sister Sledge. Uh, mm-hmm. Number eight, Take Me Home by Cher. 
Number seven, oh, wow. another fucking great song that I love. I have these are constant rotations on some of my playlists. I want your love by the group that should be in the Hawk and Roll Hall of Fame, Chic. Yes. Uh this is one of only three groups that you would consider rock at this list. Um number six this week in nineteen seventy nine was Good Night Tonight by Paul McCartney, wasn't it? There you go. Wings. I'll give you that. Oh, that was Good Night Tonight. Yeah. Back to the egg. John Lennon apparently loved that song. Okay. That's a great song. Number five this week in 1979, the In the Navy of- by the Village People. In the Navy. That, that, that. that song's for Tom Spallone. Yeah. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of water. Uh, saw the new Navy recruiting video, right? Nah. They got the, the digital recruiting to... Nah. It's a tranny. Oh, really. shit. Here really we is. go. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Go look it up. Fucking go <laughs> Google it. Okay. Navy's, Navy's fucking, their new digital fucking uh, uh, thing, commercial. It's 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 a, it's a tranny. I got, it was in I the got Navy. my copy of Rolling Stone here somewhere. Oh, uh, Jesus. Okay. Don't, don't read that rag. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I pay for that magazine. This song uh, probably ruined Susie Quattro's career. Uh, Susie Quattro and Chris Norman stumbling in. You guys remember she was rock? No, I never heard of that. She was pinky. She was a leather Tuscadero. Leather Tuscadero. She's like she was all this rock, and then all of a sudden she does this, and we come stumbling in. Yeah, yeah our love is alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, like, she had a song in the Times Square soundtrack. Rock hard. Rock yeah. hard was a great song. She went that pop, song? and then it fucking she never did so anything. After if she was leather t- Tuscadero, who played Pinky Tuscadero? Pinky was uh, she was a hottie. She was a, she was a, red a ginger. She was a ginger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forget her what? name, but she was a hottie. She was doing. What, what are you talking about? What? On happy days. On happy days. Susie Quattro was on happy days. Yeah, yeah, she was Pinky Tuscadero, who was Fonzie's girlfriend. She was Pinky Tuscadero's sister. Was Leather Tuscadero. But Susie Quattro was leather. Yeah, Susie Quattro played Leather Tuscadero. All I know, Susie Quattro is rock hard on Times Square soundtrack. I think it's one of the best hard rock songs I've ever heard. Yeah, but who played Whips and Chains Tuscadero on Happy Days? That was Lou Colette. <laughs> I'm not no, gonna say happy, your last that's name. Happy a, yeah, that's Happy Gaze. That's the Happy Gaze show. Oh, <laughs> the chains. You're terrible. Fonzie. Fonzie. Monday, Tuesday is Happy Gaze. It's not Fonzie. It's Bunzy. <laughs> oh, Bumsy. God. Hey, oh, Bumsy. <laughs> I can Chaps. keep going. Richie Conalingus. <laughs> oh. Oh jeez, Ra- <laughs> Ralph Mouth. <laughs> Slutsy Weber. <laughs> I like Ralph Mouth. I like Ralph Mouth. Mister, <laughs> Mister, Mrs. Conalingus. Oh god. I'm, I'm trying to think of something for Mister Miyagi. I can't. I can't. Uh, no, he, 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 he was Atwood. He was Al. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. No. Yeah, just leave Al alone. He's the Asian guy. You got to have one straight guy in the. No, Al was, it was Al Molinaro from. Um... Yeah, but then he played. Uh, 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 um, he sold it. He sold it to. Uh, yeah, to Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, Pat Lee. Yeah, uh, Pat, yeah uh, he was Arnold. It was Arnold. He was Arnold. That's right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember, uh, what's it? What's the first Al? Have the fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He was also Mary the Cop on the Odd Couple TV series. Al, Al was the bear oh, yeah. of the show. <laughs> Was the, he was, he was the, the leather bear. daddy. 
He was the bear, the daddy bear. <laughs> Leather bear. Except, except in that show, his nose wasn't real. It was he had oh, a fucking yeah. dildo on his nose. Oh, there balls underneath it. <laughs> We're going way off course. Yeah. We're going way off. It's course. a milk crates deep dive. Happy I'm, days. I'm, I'm personally, I'm going to be personally canceled in Nashville this because of this. This Lou, is, it was nice knowing you. We'll be, we are coming down. I don't know where we're going to uh, find you when me and Perry come down. You're going to be somewhere. I'm going to have to move back to New Jersey. Happy gays. Hey, that's cool. We don't have to drive far to see you. You'll be back in Jersey. We got porn movies, Scott. Oh, man. Anyways, let me, let me get through this shit. Oh, how did we go down that any, fucking rabbit there, hole? You started. Was there any pinoffs, a spinoffs on oh, that Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Joni loves Chi-Chi, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, anyways. Jesus, I got a gallon of wine. Laverne and Hishi? Laverne and Hishi? Makes the whole spinoff yeah. totally different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shitsy beer. Uh, Richie, Richie okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number three this week in 1979. Hot stuff by Donna Summer. Great song. Yeah, great yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Queen. That that and I was yeah. for loving you by Kiss. Those two are like in my mind are together. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay. number two this week in 1979, Heart of Glass by Blondie. Another good song. Yeah. That was their, and, that was their disco song, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and then number one this week in 1979, Reunited by Peaches and Herb. Wow. Oh. There's been six her- six peaches and only one herb in that right. Right, right? Herb gets around. Now I'm adding something this week. And I'm going to continue it. I'm adding something to the show. Top 10 album charts for this nice. week okay. in 1979. Cool. So number 10 album this week. So this is this is very interesting, all right? This hmm. is a true dichotomy because you have the albums. Now remember what we just the kind of there was a there was kind of a theme in the top 10 singles, right? Mm-hmm. But listen to the albums. So number 10 this week in 1979 on the album charts was Dire Straits, Dire Straits, self-titled album. Number nine was uh, uh, this week on the album charts in 1979, Go West, Village People. Mm-hmm. Number eight this week in 1979 on the album charts was We Are Family, Sister Sledge. Number seven this week in 1979 on the album charts, Van Halen 2. Number six this week in 1979 on the album charts, Parallel Lines by Blondie. Number five this week on the album charts in 1979, Spirits Having Flown by the Bee Gees. Number four this week in 1979 on the album charts, Desolation Angels, Bad Company. Yeah. That was the Rock and Roll Fantasy Tour. I saw, yep. I, I think that was my first concert, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, number three this week on the album charts. Great fucking album. Great album. Breakfast in America. Super Trend. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. album. I mean, that's a classic. Number one, yeah. I have a Japanese import that I bought in the Philippines. Of <laughs> Didn't go very far. <laughs> pretty interesting. It's pretty yeah. interesting. The cover's in Japanese and... I love those Japanese imports. In, I have the Led in, Zeppelin's first album, Japanese. Everything's in Japanese. I think it. I do sheet. Yeah. In Supertramp, who was the only American in the band? What musician was the only American? I thought they were all English. No, all English is there for one guy. Who's that? The drummer. 
Of course. Oh, fucking See, drummer. There you go. <laughs> Fucks everything up. They need a they need an American that would lay that. Yeah, fucking Yankee. Fucking mixed mixed breed group. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked it up. <laughs> Fucked up the pure blood. That's right. They're fucking white line. people. <laughs> He's a Californian to boot. Fuck. Ooh. They fuck up everything. Right. Hey, he's on the beat, not behind the beat, Lou. God. Yeah. Number two this week on the album charts in 1979, Too Hot by Peaches and Herb. Hmm. And number one. Oh, fuck. Here we go. Here we go. I think I can guess what it is. What is it? 79. Number one. The Wall? No. Oh. No. Michael Jackson? I know, I know it's coming. Michael Jackson it's off, off the wall? No, no, no. No. Number one this week on the album charts. In 1979, What's... minute by minute by the Doobie Brothers. Ah, there we go. I don't like that album. I love uh, that. I, I could have swore you were gonna break out into a fucking Michael McDonald. You belong to me. When are they gonna get him in a progressive ad? Like that progressive, they did the ones that have all the you know, they're gonna get them in there, something, yeah. You know? <laughs> all right, let's get into oh, Mark's favorite part of the show. Yes, this day in music on this day, and and this is right up Mark's alley on this day in 2013, <laughs> a two year degree in heavy metal music was branded a quote easy option by education campaigners. The foundation degree was being offered by New College Nottingham in the UK, the course which was due to start later this year, later that year, uh, would include modules on the music business, the history of heavy metal and its role in films and video games, and would show students how to compose and perform heavy metal songs. Wow, easy, uh, eh? Interesting, right? On this day in 2013, two men were arrested in Dublin. Oh, okay, let me start again. On this day in 2013, two fucking assholes were arrested in Dublin. After the city sent a statue of Phil Lynott was pushed over and seriously damaged. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. The memorial to the thin Lizzie icon has been removed from uh had been has been removed from its Harry Street location for repairs. Uh the men were later released without charge. Oh. The life-size bronze sculpture was unveiled in 2005 and had become a tourist destination and landmark since then. So uh, the assuming since 2013, up? they put it back up. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, who yeah. are these punks? Fucking assholes. Let me get my yeah. fucking hands on it. We'll ra- me and Lou will rage against the fucking right. assholes. We'll string them up by the little Buster Browns. Yeah, Here we we'll go fucking again. Put them Here on an go. episode of Happy Gaze. We'll see Here how we they go fucking again. go along with that. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, me and Lou. Where so, am I? So, wait. I don't know. Where's Jack? You're, you're a guitar player. You're <laughs> Where's not Jack? You don't want to hurt I can count rubber. to six, okay? <laughs> Lou can count to four. One, <laughs> two, three, four. But dum but dum Okay, on this day in 2011, the ornate iron gates of a children's home, which inspired John Lennon's psychedelic Beatles anthem, Strawberry Fields Forever, were removed after the Salvation Army, which owned the former home, decided to put the red Victorian gates into storage. Beatles fans who passed the Liverpool site on tours would now be met with 10-foot-high replicas. The original gates were being taken to a secret location for storage and would eventually be auctioned off. Fucking. What? Wow. They just did it for the money. They didn't give yeah. a fuck. Right. <clears throat> yeah. They're like, we could sell these. Yeah. You know? 
fucking who, greedy bastards. Who, 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 who buys these things? Who bought the Fuck the Salvation Army now. Fuck them. Lou, Lou it's, it's, <laughs> it's the same time. guys. They're fucking bells. Yeah, it's the same people them. that buy those guitars, like the legendary guitars, yeah. and then they never get played again. Like, <clears> like the guy who bought Eric what? Clapton's yeah. Strat, you would play it, and it would be yeah, the Strat would be happy. Of course, yeah. I would. these fucking guys buy it, they put it up in a glass case, and never again. Yeah. It's like putting a dog in a room alone or any yeah. animal. Right. You know? That's why I take people's fucking record collections. They get displayed, yeah. they get touched, they get handled, they there get played yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. People can look at them when they come over. And, they're always fucking fingering through them, bringing flashbacks, yep. you know, and they'll pull one out and go, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, I can't play a thousand albums, but a thousand fingers have fucking flicked through that collection, right? you know, mm-hmm. over its over its lifetime and pulled it out and looked at it and fucking said, oh, the, it brings at least memories, you know, yeah, sure. instead of I'm sitting a- in a basement or in a closet yeah. and they think, oh, these are worth money. I'm going to keep these. You keep your fucking albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's music. They're supposed to be played like an instrument. Supposed to be played or at least albums we'll look were at made and... to make people happy. Yep, they weren't exactly. made hmm. to be fucking looked at and fucking and cherished, and then put away. Saying, "I have a Led Zeppelin, you know, first fucking, you know, first uh, uh, you know, issue, you know." Yep. And then they go, "Oh, <clears throat> no, it has to be looked at and played." And you know, I have a Harry Nilsson quadraphonic <laughs> album. Nobody can look at it though. Nobody can look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that quadraphonic. Like, so whoever bought Eddie Van Halen's Frankenstrat for three point nine million dollars, like, what's the object of having that? Where was that guitar going to go? Yeah, yeah like the guy, uh, what is it, Jim Irsay from the Indianapolis Colts? Right, he have someone's guitar hanging on his wall or something like that. He bought the yeah. We, we, we were talking about that too, Mark. We, yeah, on the music relish, you guys. Yeah. I had mentioned it too. As a matter of fact, it was kind of odd that it, that it came up. Mm. Um, when you guys were on the show and you're like, yeah, we were just talking about that. It yeah. was, um, Jim Irsay, he bought somebody's like Jimi Hendrix's guitar or some shit like that. And it's up on a wall now. Yep. Like, you know, Same fuck. Shit. Like if I bought Ringo's kit that he used on the Ed Sullivan show, you think I'm not going to play that thing? Right. You can replace it's, the fucking skins. Yeah. Of course it's not going to fall you know? apart. I yeah. mean, it's meant to be hit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. don't, don't touch Ringo's kit, you know? Yeah, just don't pull a fucking <clears throat> Keith Moon and kick it over and shit. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? When my sister was dating Max Weinberg um, from East Street Band, he had Ringo's, one of his uh, bass drum heads that he used on the Ed Sullivan show. And he made a table thing, like a you know, glass tabletop out of it. But I told him, I said, can I lift the glass and touch that? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it, was just, it was a little piece of Ringo history, you know. Didn't and, rub and, off. And, right and, then, and then he looked and he said, you want to touch it, Lou? Yeah. <laughs> Back to happy gaze. Anyways. When you touch the skin. Oh, let's move on. This is creepy. This just got officially creepy. (laughs) This just got really fucking creepy. Even I'm saying it got creepy. Jesus. Okay, moving on. On It's not saying it's creepy. It's fucking That was creepy. You win, Lou. You fucking win, buddy. Yeah, man. Oh, you win. You win. What an Um, honor. On this day in 2000, Michael Bolton lost his appeal against the court, ruling that he stole part of his 1991 hit, Love is a Wonderful Thing, from an Isley Brothers song. Bolton had asked for a retrial following a 1994 jury verdict that he had plagiarized parts of the Isley Brothers song of the same name, but an appeals court panel held up the ruling, which awards the group, (laughs) get this, $5.4 $5.4 million from Ooh. the profits of Bolton's single, one of wow, his wow. biggest hits. What year was that? 
Uh, that was 2000 that happened. It, okay, well, that's funny because, you know, they went bankrupt before that. And Tom, uh, Mark, remember their, the big house they built in Alpine, New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. Big big house mansion, state-of-the-art yeah. recording studio. I, I actually know there. where it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've mean, driven by it, too. I used to work for a smooth bowl service company, so we used to do pools in the area. But So they got some money out of that. Five point four million. Good for yeah, that's what enough to get out of fucking debt, maybe. Yeah, that they were in. So they moved from Englewood up to Alpine. Yeah, about yeah. Ten were miles up the road. Were they not a great band though? I mean, oh yeah, awesome. Multi generational, spanning five yeah. decades. I yeah, mean, shit. And combined rock and funk. Like, yeah. They, yeah, They were the first ones to do that. Ernie think, Isley. Yeah. That was that was his guitar. Yeah, thing, yeah. But, um, the Isley brothers were the shit. I was talking yeah. about my son. I said, you know, they were Twist and Shout. They wrote that. Yeah. 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 Down, 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 I know. Oh, Sexy. Who, who's, that, who's, that, who's that lady? Who's that lady? <laughs> who's that lady? That's yeah. right. That's right. Part two, whatever. Yeah. The <laughs> brothers, brothers Johnson were good. I like the brothers Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Stomp, Lewis Johnson. He's he played a bass on a lot of thriller. Yeah. It's in my Billy Jean, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On this day in 1999, American singer, songwriter, poet, cartoonist, screenwriter, and author of children's books, Shel Silverstein, died of a heart attack at age 57. He wrote A Boy Named Sue for Johnny Cash, yeah, which Silverstein won a Grammy for in 1970, and many songs for Dr. Hook, including Sylvia's Mother and oh, wow. the cover of The Rolling Stone. Okay. Did he write My Dingling or no? <laughs> I don't know. That song blows, man. <laughs> I, heard that's, I heard that's the theme to Happy Gaze. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I'm not going to touch it. Anyways, don't touch the skin, Lou. Anyways, on this day in 1986, on this day in 1986, Falco was at number one in the UK singles chart with Rock Me Amadeus. Falco became the first ever Austrian act to score a UK and US number one hit single. Not a lot of, not a lot of fucking bands do that or singers. Um, and the first German-speaking artist to achieve a number one on the US charts. I actually like the German version better of Rock Me Amadeus. Yes. It fit the rhythm better. It depends on the move. That could be a cranking up song. And Didn't and ninety nine red balloons too was better in German. Ninety nine Luft balloons. Yeah. Didn't Falk yeah. do their commissar also? Yep. The he did it before or after the fire, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I like his version too. Yep. Falco died. This is this is sad. I remember this too. Uh, Falco died of severe injuries received on February sixth, nineteen seven nineteen ninety eight. When his Mitsubishi Pajero collided with the bus in the Dominican Republic, yeah. it was later determined that the bus driver was speeding, for which the driver served three years in prison. Hmm. Uh, Falco's estate claims he had sold over he has sold over twenty million albums and fifteen million singles, which makes him the best-selling Austrian singer of all times. Good for wow. him. Yeah, good for him. And, and he is like a classic video. Hmm. He's absolutely a classic video. Right, that his whole look, mm-hmm. his presentation, yeah. Rock Me Amadeus, and um, oh, I mean, you just knew it was. On this day in 1986, one of my favorite bands, the Pet Shop Boys, went to number one in the U.S. singles chart with West End Girls, duo's first number one, also a number one in the U.K. Hmm. Right, so not done too often, but done. Yeah. They should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they will not even fucking look at them, hmm. fuckers. 
Um, oh, it was a beautiful day. It was a great day on this day in 1985. The Go-Go's announced they were breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> in 85? Yeah. It was a short-lived run, but like thought, Jack was saying, wow. they're influential. They were influential. They were influential. It only lasted to 85. Yeah. You know? What about fucking free? I think Belinda's fame fame after that kind of eclipsed. Oh, absolutely. They were, you know? You had Jane Weedland was with Sparks. She did shit with Sparks for a little mm-hmm. while. You know, cool places. And yeah. she had a little bit of a career. Um, well, interesting story about that break of words. She was writing most of the material at the end, I think, right? Jane Weedland? Yeah. Probably, yeah. She, I mean, she's a talented and, girl, but some oh, of yeah. the bangles, and they're not in, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh. They should be in more so than... <laughs> they're influential as jack would say because that's how he says it that's exactly how he says they're influential look it look it look it they wrote their own songs they played their own instruments look it look it look it (laughs) look it (laughs) so the members went on to enjoy solo success belinda carlisle and jane whedon uh and the group reformed in the late 90s (laughs) for a money grab yeah uh on this day in 1970 David Bowie was invo- was awarded the Ivor Novello Award for Best Original Song, Space Oddity, wow. which he performed that night accompanied by the Les Reed Orchestra. Hmm. Uh, the event was transmitted live via satellite to venues in America, France, Spain, Australia, Holland, and Venezuela. Bowie would later revisit his Major Tom character in... What other ashes songs? Ashes. ashes to Ashes, right? What else? And in uh, the last album. Black Star. Really? Black Star, yeah. Great and right video. before, and before that, yeah. Halo Space Boy. Halo oh, yeah. Space Boy. Halo Space Boy. Halo Space Boy, <laughs> yep. Uh, on this day in 1969, Led Zeppelin made their first appearance on the UK album chart with the band's debut album, shot it at number six. Uh, going on to spend 71 weeks on the UK chart. It entered the US chart the following week at number 10, recorded in around 36 hours. The album is now considered one of the most important debuts in rock, creating an entirely new interpretation of the rock and roll genre with groundbreaking groundbreaking musical styles and recording techniques. And they pissed off Jeff Beck because he wanted to have that sound. Yeah, well. Yeah, Jeff Beck group. And it did not birds. go over like a lead balloon. Right. The odd <laughs> the odd birds, right? Yeah. Wasn't Jeff yep. Beck in there with Jimmy Page? Yeah, yeah. But when he formed the Jeff Beck group, he was going after that hard he blues sound. Beck. He's no Jimmy Page. Uh, I technically I like Jeff Beck better. Yeah. He did jazz, you know. He was yeah. so well rounded. Too, too different. Yeah, yeah, two two different sounds. Yeah. yeah. You can't uh, uh, Page Page was never slick. No. No, he was just good. Yeah. All right. He was just really good. Almost he was, kind of he was, he was everywhere, but rock and roll. Yeah. 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 Jack would say that too. He's sloppy. So you'd see him live. He could be no, sloppy. No, but well, I'm not even bad. I just think he, you know, wasn't wasn't slick, you know. Well, yeah. the, the sloppiness came from the heroin. Come but on. he even looked, I mean, he even played lackadaisical. Just the look on his he had kind oh, of yeah. always had this lack. He wasn't was, tight. He wasn't like out. Angus Young, you know, yeah. fucking just always fucking compact and oh, moving around. Yeah. He was kind of fluid. Jimmy Page mm-hmm. was fluid on stage. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And his technique was fluid. He had the long arm strokes. and the, Nobody uh, wore a Les Paul like Jimmy Page. Right? True. He was right below his belly button. That's true. You know? Right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, on this day in 1969, also, uh, Frank Sinatra's version of My Way made it made the oh. British top 10 for the first time. 
Over the next three years, it re-entered the top 50 singles chart on eight different occasions. Wow. Uh, Paul Anka rewrote the original French song for Sinatra after he told Anka he was quitting the music business. Anka changed the melodic structure and lyrics to the song with Sinatra in mind. I didn't. I was just going to say who did it before. I didn't know that it was. It's a, song. a French version, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also in this day in 1969, the Moody Blues started a two-week run at number one in the UK album chart with "On the Threshold of a Dream," 1969. Oh, yeah, their first number one album, by the way. You like them, Moody Blues? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Couple things, yeah, but nothing. Here and there. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever listened to a complete Moody Blues album. Me neither. You know, just uh, hey, maybe their greatest hits I'd listen to, but that'll be it. Yeah. Uh, also in this day in 1969, the Turtles. Oh, this is great. The Turtles gave a special performance at the White House as guests of Trisha Nixon. Yeah. Stories circulate concerning members of the group allegedly snorted cocaine on Abraham Lincoln's desk. That a boy. There you go. Yeah. Four score and seven lines ago. <laughs> chop, 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 chop. Yeah. yeah. That one ups the Beatles smoking a joint before get, meeting the Queen. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who the fuck can say that they snorted Coke on Abraham Lincoln's desk? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, on Maybe day, Abraham Lincoln snorted Coke on that desk. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe he smoked some hemp <laughs> on that from fucking desk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, on this day in 1965, the Rolling Stones recorded a version of I Can't Get No Satisfaction at Chess Studios in Chicago with Brian Jones on harmonica. Hmm. The group re-recorded it two days later at RCA Studios in Hollywood with a different beat and the Gibson Maestro fuzz box that Keith Richards had recently acquired, adding sustain to the sound of the guitar riff. Hmm. Now, has the original been released? I've never heard it. I don't know, but somebody um, somebody sent me a uh, Facebook message. Me, um, my friend Mike Hammerman sent me a, uh, it said, uh, the road starts here, and it's uh, Aerosmith. It's like six songs, and it's uh, all like the original studio versions of uh, Moving In, Dream On, um, Walking the Dog, uh, all this shit kind of off their first album. Now, there's an interesting thing. At the end of Dream On, you have Tyler playing the the piano, and he breaks into the beginning of You See Me Crying. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's that's, really, I said, cool. holy shit, that's the, because I love, I think that song actually is a better song than Dream On, technically sounding. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. love that song. I, I think yeah. it's an underrated song I think. right but um yeah the beginning so he had that melody they cut it out at the end of dream on and so that went on two albums later because he it wasn't on uh get your wings it was on toys in the attic yeah right their best album my so there you go i i think wings is their best but number one the first album featuring dream on as it's called yeah. is such a fucking raw garage band fucking just Great hard hard album, man. I love that. Yeah. It's something. How how old were you when that first album came out? So it came out what seventy three seventy three. So I was ten nine, going on ten. Do you well then? Like, do you remember hearing about them as a band before that album came out, or no? Like, uh, were you too young. 
No, I think when they came out, then there was rumors that like, because back then, like the the high school dances and the junior high dances were in gymnasiums, like they, you know, the old school, and they would have live bands. And the rumor was that they Aerosmith might have played a couple of times mm-hmm. as a younger band. In that, okay. not that I, I wouldn't have remembered seeing them, so I don't have anything. But no, I was I, I wasn't paying attention to the music scene like, in yeah. that sense around Boston, but. Let me, let me, and I know we're at the end of the show, but I want to ask you something. You, as a native of Boston, who do you consider the 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 biggest band to come from Boston? Because I'm fascinated with bands that come from Boston. It has to be, it has to be Aerosmith because they're one of the greatest yeah. bands in the world. I mean, they, they're, yeah. So it has to be them. And then you have, um, Jay Giles. You have Jay Giles, but I would say Boston is probably mm-hmm. the, uh, the second most popular come out right. of there. Um, and then Jay Giles, I would think. The, no, the Cars. I'd say the Cars is the second. Oh, that's right. That's the right. Cars is the second. Uh, cars. Uh, I mean, Boston has band. had a lot of good bands come out of that city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and extreme, and yeah. Till Tuesday, you know, oh, and the, yeah. the, just yeah. the 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 sound. You had Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers were from Boston. That's right. You know. Um, which is a great, I mean, the song Roadrunner, you listen to it, and you don't realize that that came out in like fucking 69 or something. It's such an advanced song, the way he did it. Mm-hmm. Like, it could have went, it could have played in the 80s. Yeah. Broke out and been like, this is an 80s song. Just the way, it's just a fucking great song. And David Robinson from The Cars came from his band. Yeah. Yeah. He was, that's, yeah. He, was a, he was a modern lover. Yep. So, um, you could go, I mean, there's, I, off the top of my head, there was a lot of local bands that kind of skirted, you know, with, with fame, but never really broke through. But yeah. I'd say those are the biggest, those are the biggest bands, hmm. you know, come out of Boston. But it was a great music scene growing up, it really was. That, you know, you know, um, I've heard it said that besides New York, Boston was the biggest, like on the East Coast, and I believe it. Yeah, now it's like. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely, because yeah. it's a college town. It's, yeah. It yeah. has the most yeah. colleges than any city in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it has to be on the, uh, you know, you know, re, so, so remember, remember in the seventies, there was this big, I don't, it, it had to happen in New York cause I know it happened in, uh, uh, in Boston. So there was a big renaissance of the three stooges. Did that kind of pop up around like that time? Yeah, 70s? Around what year? In the seventies. Like the the Three Stooges were on TV, like, you know, like reruns and all I, that I, shit. I thought I always remember them being on until you know. So there was a uh, um, there was I forget which college it was. They they had they just somehow latched on to the Three Stooges and they had a fucking reunion show, right? Like they 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 paid the Three Stooges to come to like I think it was like the Orpheum Theater or something, right? Really, the in Stooges the 70s? Were, yeah, yeah, and the Stooges are old guys, right? Yeah. Old guys, and uh, the story goes, they, they showed up, and they had no fucking idea that it, it had become such a fucking, like, cult following right? in all the colleges around Boston, which means it was on fucking Channel 38 every day. I mean, it was just the Three Stooges became part of our childhood, and they're from the fucking 40s, right, and 50s. Yeah. And they, they were on the UHF channels in your area, right? Yes, UHF. Yes. That same here, same in New Jersey, right, Lou? So, there was yeah. UHF. Yeah, yep. yeah. So they right. show up at this fucking theater and they like 
had no idea. They they were like, who's everybody here for? And they walked on the stage and the place went fucking nuts. And they yeah. were like just absolutely floored that they had this whole new generation. Like Dave Phillips says, the three stooges were my mentors. <laughs> um, and they, I'm telling you, they were, they were a fucking big cult phenomenon around Boston in the seventies and eighties. And, uh, that was like their lad, their, their last hurrah, you know? Mm. And it was just such a great way to fucking, for them to go out, like knowing that like, they went to, they've never been in front of an audience like that. And sometime know? in the mid nineties, I sold this beer. Yeah, three let's see oh shit three stooges ale three stooges beer do wow. you have any of that no no it was that was like mid 90s it was uh, brewed by uh, panther brewing company but i mean looking i said well if i smash someone over the head with one of these bottles it, will it break but you gotta say after you do it I think you get a better picture. That's pretty that. fucking cool, man. That yeah, is yeah. great. Did they get the rights to it, or did they just sure they? Do it? <laughs> they and it's got they, it's got their names on it. On, underneath the word beer, there's of course says we all put the yeast in. Whatever that means. Oh shit. Oh, that is <laughs> happy case. There you go. There you go. Circle back. Yeah. All right, let's get through well, this. Do you, do you remember? Remember the curly shuffle? Yeah, do the curly <laughs> shuffle. Yuck! 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 Yeah, that was part of the whole fucking craze. <laughs> that man. was part of the resurgence. That was the whole part of resurgence. So good for the three students, and and it was great growing up with the, like they became part of our whole fucking oh, yeah. culture around Boston as a kid. One day I was um actually living in North Carolina. My stepson was about twelve. And I walk past him. I hear him laughing his ass off. I open the door. And he's watching the Three Stooges. He'd never seen it before. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, just don't smash any lamps over your little brother's head. You know, <laughs> poke him in the eyes. Look at the deer. Does he have any dough? Yeah, three bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Howard Stern that did a, a Three Stooges parody on one of the Howard Stern shows. It was yeah, yeah. Harry. And and the Three Stooges. Somebody made get it. me a whore. And they oh, made it into right. the Get me Evil Dead movies too. Remember that? Yeah, With I, the, I never saw the Evil Dead movies. That's oh, the second one. There's a little okay. Three Stooges thing in that. Dude, okay. you have yeah. to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let, then we'll move on after this. But the, Larry Fine made the fucking funniest faces. Yes, he did. Like if you didn't pay, you really like a lot of people didn't really pay attention to him, right? Because Moe's fucking dotting curly's eyes and whatever right but the faces larry fine made were yeah. fucking priceless he crimple his face or whatever he would do he'd bug his eyes now you know where the you know where the the, doink, the two fingers came from right no so they met uh larry fine he was playing in a in a in a uh a, a, like a uh a fucking diner he's playing a violin in a diner like he was the entertainment okay and so he gets done, and they were on the road. They were doing their vaudeville act. It was Mo Shemp, and, and Curly, right? And uh, so, because that's what they would do before the before they recorded, before they went filmed them in Hollywood, they would fine tune them on the road. And so they meet Larry in there, and they become friends, and they he becomes kind of part of the act, right? Because they thought it was funny, and like, oh, you'll fit right in. So they 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 always played cards they were always playing cards and evidently larry fine was a notorious cheat in cards right <laughs> so he's playing cards with them and uh and he gets I thought was funniest of all i thought shemp was i like shemp better than curly believe hmm. not, but he fucking sees he catches him fucking cheating and he reaches across the table and fucking pokes him in the eyes. He does the doink. <laughs> For real. Oh, and they're, they're, fucking they're Mo, that did that? 
Shemp did that to, to, to Larry Fine, and Mo thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever seen in his life. That's great. And it became part of the act. Meanwhile, fucking Larry's on the ground fucking screaming because he's got his eyes fucking poked. Yeah, so that was the origin of the finger poke. Yeah. Now, some people believe that Shemp was a Howard, but he really wasn't a stooge. But you like Shemp. Shemp was. It was Shemp Howard. Yeah, I know, but some, some people don't think, but they, but think of the, these uh, three students that think of Curly. Yeah, Curly is, yeah. A, but Shemp was there before yeah, Curly. Before, actually. yeah, before. Yeah. And I think Shemp was fucking funnier, but I I looked at the humor differently. I thought Curly was more slapstick. I thought oh, Shemp was yeah. more, uh, he was more physical comedy. Curly was. Right. I thought Shemp was funnier uh, with his lines, the way yeah. he, he came across. Uh, la- Curly was like a, a one trick pony. Yeah. Right. And, I, and with his health problems too, that role that he played, you know, didn't help yeah. him. In fact, yeah. yeah, I think he, he was the first one to go. Yeah. So, all right, back to this. Uh, let's see. On this day in 1964, Bob Dylan arrived in Britain. I don't care. Uh, on this day in 1960, the Silver Beatles, Sean Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Stuart Sutcliffe, and Tommy Moore auditioned for part for promoter Larry Pons and single singer Billy Fury for a job as Fury's backup group. Pons was also looking for back, backing groups for his lesser-known acts. The Silver Beatles were selected as the backing group for singer Johnny Gentle's upcoming tour of Scotland. The group had changed its name from the Beatles, B-E-A-T-A-L-S, to the Silver Beatles, B-E-E-T-L-E-S, after Brian Casser of Cass and, Ca- and the Casanovas remarked that the name Beatles was ridiculous. Hmm. He suggested they use the name Long John Silver in the Beatles, but John Lennon refused to be referred to as Long John. So yeah, right. That's the end of that. Well, born on Irish this day. in them. <laughs> yeah, born on this day, uh, May 10th, 1991, American singer-songwriter Ray Dalton, who had the 2013 U.S. number one hit Can't Hold Us, with Mac Lamore and Ryan Lewis. I don't care. Hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, born on this day in 1968, Richard Patrick. Do you know who Richard Patrick is? Nope. Richard Patrick is an American musician, guitarist with Filter, an army of anyone, and also worked with Nine Inch Nails. His older brother is actor Robert Patrick of Terminator fame. Terminator. Right? Terminator and X-Files. Yeah. And, and X-Files, X-Files yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Sopranos. So, yeah, Richard Patrick. Yeah, he was the gambler. Yeah, yeah. you know the sporting goods store. Tony, yep. lend me some money, Tony. Yeah, you don't want to do this. <laughs> um, Patrick left Nine Inch Nails after he asked Trent Reznor if he could write some songs and contribute, and Reznor replied to him, "If you want to write songs, start your own fucking band." Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So he did. He left and, and Filter was born, right? And Filter wow. had mild success. But the thing is, he's very protective of the band, seeing that he's the only real member of Filter. He will not make anybody else. So the band that originated this Filter with Nice Shot, you know, uh, Hey Man, Nice. That's another Crank It Up song right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to be full members. And he's like, no, nah, I can replace you guys. And he did. He just keeps replacing people. And hmm. he is Filter. Uh, born on this day in 1960, happy birthday to Bono, Paul Hewson. Uh, happy birthday, born on this day in 1957, Sid Vicious, John Ritchie. Uh, born on this day in 1952, Sly Dunbar, session drummer, as yeah. 
Sly and Robbie worked with Peter Tosh, Robert Palmer, Jimmy Cliff, Stones. Grace Jones, yeah, Joe Cocker, yep, Stones. When I was in uh, cassette duplication, Lou, at CPI in Hillsdale, we did cassettes upon cassettes of Sly and Robbie, just instrumental tracks, those two. Mm, it was yeah. great stuff. They're on um, Undercover Undercover the Night. Undercover of the Night Stones. I got Undercover the, of the Night. That's got their sound to it. That, yeah. That's them. Yeah, that, that's on a that track. Up song. Yeah, that's it a is. Up song. Do, 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 do. Um, you cool know, video. Robert cool Palmer, video too. Robert yeah. Palmer, right? Robert Palmer. It was interesting. I I, I put on my uh, my Milk Crates seventies and eighties uh, Spotify playlist. Uh, didn't mean to turn you on, right? Which Robert Palmer took that song, which was a disco kind of a, a dance song, kind of a disco, and done by a female, right? Written from a female's perspective, when I took you out, you know, I didn't mean to turn you on. Right? Mm. Saying goodbye wasn't enough. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Da da da. But Robert Palmer did the cover of that, which I thought was interesting because he took a girl's perspective and made it his. Like now mm. it's a guy talking to a girl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I I was listening to it today. I said it's fucking brilliant. Like that's how many people could take. Like how many guys can take a girl's song and the in the the, the basically the theme of the song is she goes out on a date with this guy and he he starts getting all hot and bothered thinking like every guy does like oh this is i'm gonna get it tonight and she's like i didn't mean to turn you on like that's not mm-hmm. what i'm here for and it's as the song goes on the lyrics start to show that she's getting uncomfortable and she just wanted to be friends right stay in the friend zone right stay in the friend zone but he took it and i was like wow that's fucking ballsy man yeah in the smooth way that he presented that song. Yeah. And it's great fucking the way it was the music, the way they changed the music up, modernized it, and mm-hmm. gave it a little synth in there that I like. Um, but it was done really, really well. I, I was like, you know what? I never really thought about the song until I, for some reason today, I was like, wow, that was pretty interesting that he did that. He flipped yeah. it. Yeah. He flipped it. Gave and that song, little, that song, when he, when he had Addicted to Love, I didn't like that. I was like, ah. When he came out with I didn't mean to turn you on, that that's a good song. I yes. really like that song. Very good yeah. song. Yeah, he has, yeah. you know, uh searching for clues. Yeah, I mean Robert yeah. Palmer had for, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, and um was it was it one song? Johnny's always running around. Yes, yeah. Johnny and uh, yeah. Johnny he, and someone else are Yeah, an interesting in, in, interesting career. Could a yeah. man have sung um I Touch Myself was it by the Devils? <laughs> uh anyways, moving on. Yeah, you know, if you try <laughs> you think about it, if a man's saying it'd be like you'd be totally creeped out. Or if it wasn't right? saying it, it really didn't. Yeah, can you, can you <laughs> see Robert Palmer? When I think about you. I uh, all right, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's be fair, let's be fair here. Come on. Let's, if, okay, Michael, bo- if Michael McDonald sang it, it would be worse. I mean, Happy Oh, fuck me. When I think about right. you, I myself. It's getting good. All right, it's, we're at the two, two, two hour 30 It's only going to be a two-hour show tonight. It's only yeah, it was always supposed show. to be. Yeah. Yeah, Mark's yeah, got to yeah. get to bed early. But we got into the fucking happy gaze and fucking Moses. Well, I didn't start it. I know. That's all me. All right, born on this day in 1950, Mick Bolton. Mick Bolton, the keyboardist best known for playing with... UFO. Mott the Hoople. Oh. And Dexy's Midnight Runners. Oh. During the 80s, really? Bolton found a notable gig offstage giving keyboard lessons to Paul McCartney's wife and collaborator Linda McCartney. Wow. He died on June, January 1st, 2021 at the age of 72. Uh, happy birthday. Born on this day in 1947. Dave Mason. Hmm. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Dave Mason. I don't have to describe him. Nope. Also, someone that doesn't need uh, any introduction or 
All right, I have a background. Uh, born this day in nineteen forty-six. Happy birthday to Donovan. That's right, Scottish singer. Yeah. Seventy-seven today, I think. Yeah. What's yeah. Donovan's last name? He's Scottish, so it's got to be Max something. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> You're so fucking know, so stereotypical, Scott. I know, I know. Donovan Leach. Okay, Donovan Leach. All right. Born on this day on 1946, uh, Graham Goldman, UK singer-songwriter, guitarist, who was a member of High Spots, The Crevettes, and 10CC. 10CC, yeah. yeah. Uh, born on this day in 1944, Jackie Lomax, UK singer, who was the first act to be signed to the Beatles' Apple Records. Who, uh, who discovered him? Which Beatle? George Harrison. You are correct. Yeah. Uh, born on this day in 1937, Mike Melvoin. We talked about him recently. That's right, from the with the wrecking crew. Yep, and that's right. And Wendy Melvoin is, is his yep. daughter. American jazz pianist, composer, arranger Mike Melvoin, who worked as prolific studio musician, recording with Frank Sinatra, John Lennon, Tom Waits, Barbara Streisand, Jackson Five, Natalie Cole, the Beach Boys on Pet Sounds. Mm. He worked in the early 1970s as a music director on the Partridge Family recordings, and also composed for film and television, including contributing scores to Fame. Melvoin died in Burbank, California. On February twenty second, twenty twelve, of cancer at age seventy four, he's the father of you know the revolution, Prince of the Revolution guitarist Wendy Melvoin, and son of uh, and his son is Jonathan Melvoin, who is a musician for numerous bands, including the Family, a Prince side project. They were around for a little bit, uh, for a minute, and was the touring keyboardist for the Smashing Pumpkins, hmm. yeah. which is when. He died of a heroin overdose during a Pumpkins tour in 1996. Uh, hmm. uh, the rumors were that the Pumpkins drummer injected him, uh, which led to the Pumpkins not being invited to the funeral. Wow. Yeah, but it was later found out that uh, him and the drummer from the Pumpkins uh, went their separate ways. They got some seriously fucking straight up hardcore heroin, hmm. like almost pure. And, Jimmy uh, Chamberlain. Yeah. And then they uh, did it, and that was that. And they he oh, that drummer got fired like immediately mm. from the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, really good. Uh, born on this day in nineteen thirty-five, Larry Williams, American rhythm and blues and rock and roll singer. Larry Williams, the Beatles, and the Jam covered his songs. Yep. Uh, he scored nineteen fifty-seven U.S. number five hit single with "Short Fat Fanny," and uh, a hit with "Dizzy Miss Lizzie." Yep. I think you were Boney Maroney, too. All right. Williams died from gunshot wounds, 2nd of January, 1980, at age 45. Self-inflicted, or? I don't know. Yeah. Gunshot wounds, more than one. Hmm. So, <laughs> I don't know if he shot yeah, really. himself a couple of times. <laughs> uh, born in this day in 1935, Julius Wechter, American musician and composer Julius Wechter. Uh, he composed the song Spanish Flea for Herb Elpert. And was the leader of the Baja Marumba Band. He also, let me see, uh, as a session musician, he worked for the likes of the Beach Boys, Sonny and Cher, and various Phil Spector productions. Oh, his boy, Lou's going to get on this one. <laughs> his, vibraphone, his vibraphone solo work is featured on the Beach Boys' acclaimed album, Pet Sounds. Let's go away for a while. He died of lung cancer in 1999, a day after his song Spanish Flea was used in the Simpsons episode, uh, Sunday Cruddy Sunday. <laughs> there you go, Mark. I like That's that version funny. better than your fucking cranking up version. That's yeah. Funny. 
And let me see. Last but not least, born in this day in 1920, Burt Whedon. English guitarist Burt Whedon, who had the 1959 UK number 10 single, Guitar Boogie Shuffle. Uh, let me see. Okay, his best-selling tutorial guides. What, Lou? There's a, there's a Beatle in-joke where apparently whenever Lennon heard someone play guitar part he didn't like, he goes, who's that, Burt Whedon? So his best-selling <laughs> tutorial guides, Play in a Day, were a major influence on many British musicians such as Eric Clapton, Brian May, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, John Lennon, Keith Richards, Pete Townsend, and Jimmy Page. Wow. He did something right. Yeah, yeah Whedon died on uh, April 20th, 2012 at the age of 91. So there you go, gentlemen. Hey, all Scott. Right. Scott, while you guys were talking about happy gays and all that, I just want to finish the show with five lines that give me goosebumps. All right? Oh, boy. I'm going to read these. No matter where you go, you are what you are, player. And you can try to change, but that's just the top layer. Man, you was who you was before you got here. Only God can judge me, so I'm gone. Either love me or leave me alone. That's it, Jay-Z, that baby. Is Probably the five greatest lines that Jay Z. Yeah. Jay Z. And I said that after a magnum of wine. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Didn't stumble. No. <laughs> well, gentlemen, as usual, thank you very much. I always appreciate your time. I always appreciate we would have started earlier, but Lou just decided to be fashionably late. But it, was, it wasn't fashionable. <laughs> no, Broadway State Prison, as you can tell by his background, doesn't really. I was, I was he's on my, their schedule. They're not on his. I had to get my hour daily hour of exercise. There you go. you my, know what? I'm going to have my boss call you tomorrow, Lou, when I get into work late. You're going to be. Uh, like, I'm going to have to call you. you we'll Ten minutes late. Lou, thank you for the intro, the new intro song to the uh, podcast. I, I, I truly appreciate it. I love thank that. You. It's a nice song. It's a good. It fits perfect. Um. Anyways, as usual. I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. If you like it, share it. And if you don't, well, thanks for listening this long, two hours and 41 minutes. You dumb fuck. <laughs> got a record? Yeah. Got a record? <laughs> no, we've done three hours, dude. No. We did, we did almost, it was two hours and 58, I think. We were I think that Mark and I went over three hours one show. Did you? Yeah. I think we yeah. did, yeah. Oh it's God. me. I'm slow. I'm just slow. It was, <laughs> we had a lot to say, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll be back next week. Um, like I always say to you people listening and the people watching, you are the engine that drives this machine without you. It would just be me talking to these two, the wrecking two, Patricia which is always a pleasure. Stayed on. Patricia stayed on the whole time. Yes, she did. She, yeah. I'm telling you, she, she's, she's, you. she's, she's a fan. She likes it. Awesome. She, she likes it. Um, gentlemen, again, my friends, my friends, my friends, um, I will see you guys. I'm sure we'll be talking during the, before next week. Course. And uh, if anything comes up for a topic, just you know, throw it out there and see see what happens. If not, I'll okay. come up with something. You know? And uh, like I always say, to quote my favorite artist Morrissey, doing this show for you, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. And we will see you next week, episode one hundred and two. Bye.